All right, so let's see here. Just finished How Abuse Can Set You Free. Good show. Sympathy for the caller and good luck to her. Yes, I agree. I agree. Good luck to her as well. Should we uh, <clears throat> we'll start with a little bit of news and weather, and uh, then we'll uh, we'll get into a couple of calls. Good evening, everybody. Stephen Molyneux, 5th of May 2021. Boy, does it feel like time is going faster. Is that just me? People always used to say to me, oh, before you know it, blink and you, you, it's gone and all of that. And there was an old, fantastic John Cleese comedy called Faulty Towers. And there's one little bit, and I remember watching as a teenager, so he's like, this is something like, Whoop, what was that? Oh, that was your life. Oh, is it gone already? Do I get another one? Nope, sorry, that's it. Oh, that's too bad. And I don't find, or at least I haven't found that life goes by too fast at all. And certainly seems life seems a lot slower since the old lockdown began, or began, lockdowns began. But um, does it seem like you guys, is, is time going faster during the pandemic? Does it matter? Time is going super fast. Is that just me? Maybe it's the re- repetition of the days. Well, not in these shows, but repetition of the days. All right. So, yeah, we'll get to a couple of calls and a question. Um, big news today from CDC Gov. Birth rate, U.S. birth rate has hit the lowest level ever, 1.64 births per woman. Of course, you need a fertility replacement level of 2.1 births per woman. 25 states had more deaths than births in 2020, a record. And... That's pretty bad. You know, what is it? Like 2% of the entire world's population is childbirth age white women. 2% of the entire world's population is white women who can have babies. But hey, let's just help the minorities, right? Because that's because apparently we can't do math. But that's something else. The pandemic has caused an unbelievable drop in life years and one of the most significant drops in life years. I actually, if, if you want to check out my newsletter, freedomand.com forward slash newsletter. Forward slash. Hey, remember what I could talk? That was a, I had a good run. Yeah, 16 years. Um, so freedomain.com forward slash newsletter. I did ask, you know, have people postponed having babies because of the pandemic? And yeah, there was definitely some affirmatives and the number of life years lost because of the pandemic. Because, you know, it's really, really important that we save uh, somebody's last six months, extend somebody's life by six months who's already got three comorbidities and they're 80, right? We want to extend someone's life six months. Okay, it does come at the expense of five babies who could themselves have lived to 80. So what's that? Uh, Five times eight, 400 years. Yeah, 400 years uh, of not living uh, just so that we can make sure that we can extend someone's miserable post-80 three comorbidities existence by another six months. Just awful. Uh, I've had to stop talking to about half my friends because of COVID stupidity. Yeah, it is an IQ test. Mother, should I trust the government? <laughs> no kidding, eh? Uh, is it bad I get so much gratification from schadenfreude? Sure, schadenfreude is, is delighted at other people's predictable and warned against c- catastrophes. You got to take your pleasures where you can these days, and they're getting a little few and far between. And yes, uh, it is perfectly reasonable to take pleasure from schadenfreude. Uh, because uh, you don't want to be right, but if you are right and you're not acknowledged, uh, then you got to take your pleasures where you can. Where's the pleasure in being right if you can't at least mentally say, I told you so, to fools who didn't listen and refused to listen? Trump's bet, Trump, Trump's bet up time, but now it's slowing down again. Yeah, yeah. Gates seen celebrating low white fertility rates. Why do you think there is high drug addiction in the West? Oh, I know that. I mean, that's that's not complicated. Uh, it's not easy to solve, but it's not complicated. Uh, so Billie Eilish um, 
Billie Eilish said in a recent interview, she posed in a corset because apparently uh, she's just kind of reversed her baggy clothing thing. Because do whatever you want, man. Like this is some radical new philosophy that every teenager thinks that they're the first to ever invent. You know, just do what feels good, man. Do what makes, do what's right for you, man. <laughs> it's so original. Welcome to exactly what apes believe. It's so cutting edge. It's like Bill Maher is about as edgy as my fucking forehead. Anyway, um, so Billie Eilish did an interview where she said every single teenager that she's ever known, every single teenager in her social cycle circle has been sexually exploited. Now, whether that means child rape, or molestation, pedophilia, you, I don't know exactly because she's a little bit vague about it. But she's saying everyone. And she said, oh, you know, people think, oh, it's just because you're in the music industry that it happens more. To ask who runs the news music industry, but um, she said, "No, it's everyone. It's everyone." And I did say a year or two ago that, you know, one day pretty soon we're going to find out what terrible things happened to Billie Eilish to turn her into a literal Satanist, like not even a kind of Satanist, like a straight up twisty back. I want to end me, uh, love the Satan, right? I mean, you look at that song, right? Um, uh, my my boy, my boy. My boy's being sus. He was shady enough, but now he's just a shadow, right? He was shady. Now he's a shadow. That's the fall of, of Satan. Um, my boy's a pretty liar, but he's such an ugly crier. A pretty liar, right? I mean, Satan is the father uh, of lies. I mean, straight up him to, uh, to Satan. And uh, uh, let me just, I remember... Um, I'm doing this sort of off the cuff, but uh, what do we got here? Ba 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 ba. Okay. Um, <sighs> he cuts off his friends. Yeah. Well, that's that's Satan, right? Uh, my boy, don't love me like he promised. Well, yeah. Of course, Satan says that you know, give him your soul and he'll love you, and then he ends up not loving you but exploiting you. Um, he ain't a man, and he sure as hell ain't honest, right? He ain't a man. What, 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 Satan is not a man, and sure as hell ain't honest, father of lies, right? My boy's being sus, and he don't know how to cuss. He just sounds like he's trying to be his father. Okay, so Satan wants to be God, right? So God is Satan's father, and he wants to be his father. Uh, yeah. What else we get? You want me to be yours? Well, then you've got to be mine. And if you want a good girl, then goodbye. Right, so that's post, right? That's after she gives up her soul. If you want me to, to be yours, well, then you got to be mine, right? You want to get Satan's allegiance, you got to give him your soul, right? And if you want a good girl, then goodbye. So, yeah, that's post. Oh, and and if you look at, um, oh gosh, uh, I want to, I want to, I want to end me. Uh, that uh, whole, she's, it's all Satan stuff, right? The whole twisted back stuff hanging over backwards, all Satan stuff. So I remember saying, you know, we're going to find out what terrible thing happened to Billie Eilish not too long. And it's been about a year, a year and a half since I said that. And yep, uh, sexual exploitation of children. So when you get fathers out of the family, the, the, the void of authority and defense is filled by uh, predatory pedophiles who come into the family uh, in order to uh, pretend to date the mom while hoping for sexual access to the children, right? So the amount of child rape, the amount of pedophilia, the amount of child molestation uh, in, in society has gone through the roof. Because as you know, if the father is out of the house, and there is a non-biologically -bi related father, uh, sorry, a non-biologically related male in the house, 
the odds of child abuse go up over 30 times, 30 times. So yeah, everybody who wants to break up the family, they say it's for some sort of egalitarian bullshit. It's not. They, they want to break up the family because, because they generally want sexual access to the children because pedophilia is a, um, it's a mind meme that reproduces through the infliction of trauma. Now, people who are sexually exploited, as Billie Eilish says, as children, and everyone she knows, right? Of course, it's not exactly a statistically neutral sample, but everyone she knows uh, has been sexually exploited, she said, or raped or abused, uh, molested as a child. And um, you get that kind of stuff in society, then it's really not going to be very long until um, you end up with a whole bunch of people growing up with so much internal physical agony that they have to self-medicate through uh, a particular opiates, right? So let's see who cares about population when the earth has 6 billion people on it. Yeah, but it's not, it's not 6 billion overly smart people, right? You know that from 800 BC to 1950 AD, 98% of the scientific advances the world had were white males, right? You understand? 98% of the scientific advances for almost all of human history were white males. So whether you get people in sub-Saharan Africa versus Denmark matters with regard to science and modernity. White males tend to defend free speech, and they're pretty much the only demographic that can reliably be counted on to defend free speech. The lower the IQ goes, the more diverse the population becomes, the less support there is for free speech. Statistically, get mad at me. It's just the data. I'm not making it up. So it matters who's here. I mean, if, if you want to have a modern world, right? No whites, no modern world. It's just the way it has worked out, right? Oh, yeah, you got to... Do you, do you care about Bill Gates? Do you guys care about Bill Gates at all? Let me just catch up here, and then we'll uh, we'll get in there, right? Uh, yeah, just keep... If, I, if I'm not getting back to you, I'm sorry to be annoying. If you're not getting back... If I'm not getting back to you, just keep emailing me. Would you marry a vaccinated woman if you were single? Um, well, I'd... Uh, I'd want some more data. I've heard that uh, miscarriages are up, but you know, could be stress, could be any nice things, right? Uh, let's see here. How much IFS work have you done and how much do you still employ? So that's internal family systems therapy. I actually had, uh, I did an interview with, what's it, Dr. Michael Schwartz, the guy who came up with that. So I was, <laughs> I was doing IFS before I knew it was IFS. So IFS is the idea, and I'm going to really paraphrase it here. I call it the ecosystem, which is that you are not a sort of singular thing like me, I, Stefan Molyneux, it's just one person. I am a multiplicity. Everyone that you have any significant interactions with, you internalize, right? So believe it or not, if you've watched the show for a while, you have your inner Steph, right? You have your inner Steph, who the moment the camera goes on, his nose gets itchy. Anyway, so you have an inner Steph. I have an inner mom. I have an inner dad. I have an inner sibling. I have an inner, you know, friends that I had when I was younger. And uh, I did, worked on this for years and a, a huge amount, right? I did, for years, I did three hours of therapy a week, an hour and a half on Tuesday afternoons and an hour and a half on Thursday afternoons. And I did at least 10 hours of journaling and writing and all of that. And um, I had all of these different characters. And maybe one day I'll do a show where I go through all of the characters that I had inside me who were all cajoling and um, reminding and uh, stimulating and challenging me. And I wrote these entire plays out of me having significant arguments with my inner selves. And this is why it's really important to understand that 
you know, everybody's like, well, you got to keep your environment clean for COVID because COVID can be infectious. It's like, you know, that personalities are way more infectious than COVID, right? Personalities are incredibly infectious. If you have someone around you who thinks that you're not important, you will internalize that and feel unimportant. Everyone around you infects you for better or for worse for who they are. If you have someone around you who's inspiring and thinks that you're wonderful and, and can do anything, that's going to give you quite a lift. So uh, that is that is important. Steph, since you were formerly upper management at a company, what were some ways your employee lower wage workers stood out for a promotion? Oh, yeah, that just provide value, show interest and learn the business, right? I mean, I had an, em an employee, he was a coder, I was chief technical officer. And so one of the coders wanted to come with me on sales trips. I was like, Yeah, great you know, come on down, you know, when we, we would fly around various places, and uh, he would see me give the demonstrations and negotiate and deal with, uh, man, a couple of times I'd go out for a meeting that was supposed to be technical. I remember one time I went out for a meeting. I was just supposed to answer some technical questions and help their IT guys with implementation. I walk into the meeting, and there's a big, scary ass Justice League semicircle of elderly suit dudes in there who just proceeded to rip on me about uh, project implementation and the promises the salespeople had made and the, the gaps between what was promised and what was delivered. And uh, I didn't really know much about it, but yeah, those kinds of things could be could be quite exciting. And uh, just, just work extra. L learn about the business, work extra, and try and figure out what makes your boss look good, right? What makes your boss look good, you know? If you're encoding, uh, build a tool that's going to be helpful for the business and, and bring it in or, you know, work on a mobile app that can help the business or something like that. Work on a time tracking system that can help the business. Just something that's going to make your boss look good and show that you understand and care about making money for the business, which means pleasing the customers. So. Billie Eilish was dating a 29-year-old when she was 19 years old. Not sure if that is any indication of what happened when she was younger. Well, it probably has something to do with it. Because if you've got a 10-year age gap, particularly at that, that's like a third of life, right? She's like two-thirds his age. And he's got like an extra third of life. That would be like somebody who's, um, you know, 50 uh, dating somebody who's 75 or 78 or something like that, right? So it means that either she's ridiculously over-mature at 19, which she's not, because, she, you know, she's still, she's still in the world where, you know, saying, you know, just do whatever F you want, man. If, if, you, if you feel beautiful, you are beautiful. It's like, oh, you could be deluded. You could be deluded. This idea that you, you're as beautiful as you feel, uh, that's ridiculous. That just says, well, you just have to have a positive attitude, and it's fine if you're obese. It's like, yes, queen slay uh, means dead, dead, dead end for your genetics, right? Unless you find some real beta to knock you up and then you have a kid and force the alphas to pay you taxes through the welfare state. But yeah, no, it's really, really tragic. So it means that the 29 year old is really immature, right? And uh, they're going to lock each other into that immaturity, right? Satanism is the biggest problem that is continue constantly ignored in public discourse. Oh, yeah, listen, I'll tell you this straight up, man. I'll tell you this straight up. To me, if somebody's not in a major religion, I mean, and I just think of this as Christianity. If somebody's not into UPB or not into Christianity, I think that they're effectively, though not consciously, uh, Satanists, right? So Satan, Satanism is simply the idea that there's no higher aspirations. There is simply the pleasure of the flesh and the manipulation of the moment. 
and that it, it is taking us as mammals and taking away our divine or philosophical capacity for universals and morality. So it is an attempt to remove the post the post monkey beta expansion pack from your brain and simply return you to the status of an ape seeking pleasure, avoidance of pain and the seeking of pleasure. And all of that comes with no empathy. This philosophy is basically about empathy. And so uh, it is uh, Satanism is simply a return to the mammalian state of the pursuit of pleasure and the avoidance of pain that characterizes animals prior to conscious capacity for universal abstractions. Look at TikTok and its high generation of strippers. Well, sure, right? I mean, so if you're just a mammal, why wouldn't you show your ass for money? Now, if you're a Christian, you would say, well, yes, the God, God made the ass, but he made your soul, which is what different and baboons have asses, right? Everybody's seen those like weird hemorrhoid ejection suits that baboons wear on their asses, right? Uh, the big red asses and so on. And so baboons have asses and uh, even asses have asses if you think of them in donkey terms. And so why wouldn't you shake your ass for money? Well, the Satanists would say, well, why wouldn't you? I mean, it works, right? It works. But um, the Christian and the philosopher would say, but that is simply going to attract to you a man who has no higher capacity for cognition or virtue. And you are going to have a low rent animal rutting that is going to produce often children without much of a future, either genetically or psychologically, a combination of both. So, yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. My 82-year-old girlfriend was sexually molested by her uncle last week. I convinced her to tell her father. Uh, well, okay, can she go to the cops? Uh, can she get that going? Can she get that going? Um, uh, so Lauren Southern just did a video because she was um, molested in a uh, grocery store and she, and this is not my, it's no spoiler here. She said it herself. So she has uh, done a video with a 30-year-old cop talking about, like, go to the cops. It can actually be really helpful. Okay, American population deflation wouldn't be so bad if the countries didn't import Mexicans to replace whites. Well, of course, it's a lot to do with the boomers, right? So you've got to prop up the value of real estate. The value of real estate should be collapsing because of the baby bust after the boom. But uh, you can't have boomers lose value on their homes because then they'll freak out and vote you out, right? I hate Gates who want to spray metals and blot out the sun. <laughs> yeah, well. Please talk about the rise of altcoins. I'm not sure what you mean, the rise of altcoins. So people make a fundamental mistake when it comes to crypto. They think that cryptos are like stocks, right? In other words, IBM is a viable technology company. Oracle is a viable technology company. Microsoft is a viable. Google, they're all viable technology companies, but it's not the same with altcoins. They're not startups that compete with these things. In general, altcoins, my particular opinion, no financial advice, in general, altcoins are pump and dump scams. And I saw a ton of those in the business world. I saw a ton of those in the business world before this altcoin stuff came along. And so they are, there are a bunch of people that make a coin, they get some marketing, they spend some money, uh, and they talk about its strengths relative to Bitcoin. And, um, then they, the price goes up a bunch, a bunch of people sell it, and they make a bunch of money. It's just a money transfer. So um, altcoins are not stealing from Bitcoin. And I'm not sure I put Ethereum in an altcoin situation. I'm not sure I put Bitcoin cash in an altcoin situation. But I'm talking about the real come rocket sell altcoins, right? That, uh, yeah, they're just pumping up scams. There's not any network effect. There's not any credibility. There's not a large de uh, developer community. There's not a large amount of investment. There's lot, not a philosophical community around it. It's not a cause to overthrow 
offensive wars and to overthrow intergenerational debt predation and so on. It's just a bunch of people who are going to pump and dump, make some money and get out, right? Uh, let's see here. So, yeah, like, I mean, people are saying that, uh, oh, Doge is, is, is up and it's like, yeah, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> Doge, Dogecoin has been up before. I don't know if Elon Musk is just trolling everyone. He probably is, I think, right? But uh, Doge hit a peak in early 2014, shortly after the launch in that Bitcoin bull market. Then it fell over 95%. Then it did over 200 times peaking in January 2018 at that altcoin peak, but then lost 92% after that. So, gee, I wonder what's going to happen to, <laughs> to Doge at the moment. So, but it is important to, so with regards to Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin is coming to about 300 million U.S. bank accounts via NYDIG's latest partnership. So, Bitcoin is coming to hundreds of U.S. banks this year, says crypto custody firm NYDIG. And for the first time, customers of some U.S. banks will soon be able to buy, hold, and sell Bitcoin through their existing accounts, according to crypto custody firm NYDIG. Banks are asking for Bitcoin because they can see their customers sending dollars to Coinbase and other crypto exchanges. After rolling out the initial Bitcoin product, they plan on other services, including debit card, rewards paid in Bitcoin, and a new type of bank account that is FDIC insured but pays interest in Bitcoin. So, yeah, you're not really about to see that with Dogecoin, right? So, We'd love to have you on one of the guided meditations on the Discord. Oh, very interesting. I would really enjoy hearing about your Miko system in the characters. I still remember all their names. You know, this is over 20 years uh, that I was doing that. So, uh, Good call and show last night. Sounded like you helped that girl. I certainly did. I think I certainly did. Do you see conservatives being banned from air travel? Um, I mean, it depends what your time frame is, right? It's, it's all a race to, you know, with, with fiat going to zero, uh, everything's a race to that. So, um, uh, if you're talking about the Nick Fuentes thing, so uh, my, again, I'm no expert on this. I don't really know the facts, but I would guess that uh, the Nick Fuentes relationship, if there is one, or at least there's perceived one, I believe, from law enforcement, a relationship between the January 6th Capitol riots and Nick Fuentes, and that probably had something to do with that. So, Uh, let's see here. Any advice for a 25-year-old black male, eight years out of high school and still no momentum towards future career? Thoughts on engineering diploma? Well, I, I don't know, obviously, what you should do, but I will tell you that if I were 25, uh, if I were 25 years old right now, uh, I would be like just Pac-Man consuming information on Bitcoin and getting into that space. Uh, they don't care about your degrees. They don't care about, they just care about your passion and your knowledge. And it's such like there's no, there are very few, if any, like advanced degrees on understanding Bitcoin and all this kind of stuff. So just, you know, a Anthony Pompliano has great stuff uh, on this. Um, Andreas Antonopoulos has great stuff on this. There's just so many people out there that you can just dive into, read the Bitcoin standard, read Satoshi Nakamoto's original white paper, which I read on this show many years ago, just dive into, figure it out from top to bottom, and then apparently go to Miami and just throw yourself at people, and, and that would be what I would be doing at, at your age. Elon Musk propping up Dogecoin to reach a dollar. Well, yeah, I mean, so every time Elon Musk pumps Dogecoin, people aren't buying Bitcoin, and I, I can pretty much assure you that Elon Musk is still pretty interested in buying Bitcoin because he only sold Bitcoin to prove its liquidity, right, in the last quarter. So, I mean, Elon Musk, you don't ever look at what the magician's hand is doing. You look at what the other hand is doing, right? Like the hand that's moving and doing stuff. 
And so Elon Musk, if I had to guess, I mean, I'm saying, oh, he just props up Dogecoin so that people buy Dogecoin rather than Bitcoin so that he can buy Bitcoin cheaper. It's not, not too complicated. Ah, I got into Doge at 37 cents. Well, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Doge is a pump and dump scheme. Someone says you can look it up. Around 100 people control Doge's entire $46 billion market. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What is your take on civil disobedience? With all the protests going on in Canada, how far is too far? I guess that's for everyone's conscience to... But the, the, the police in Canada are uh, pushing back against some of the enforcement orders, right? They're basically saying, no, we're not going to enforce that because it goes against our oath for the Constitution. I tried to buy 500 cum rocket. You wouldn't believe what they wanted me to do on camera. Uh, I would believe what they wanted you to do on camera, and I assume that it involves the amazing atheist and a banana. So, Doge has also been used by MSM to justify calling all crypto joke currency. Yeah, well, the, the, the mainstream media just wants you to stay poor, right? Of course, right? Bitcoin Cash almost $1,500. Yes, and that's fast too, right? Will a prepping roundtable happen at some point? Yes, 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 it will. Um, I like XRP, XLM, Ether, Bitcoin, Doge. Most people forgot about the amazing atheist and chocolate banana. I, I'm I'm sorry that that came back into my head, but uh, but it did. So yesterday afternoon, a batch of 4718 Bitcoins, 254 million moved off the exchange. A second batch of 2515 or 135 million Bitcoin was moved off a few hours later. So a lot of people are panicking, but smart money is loving this dip for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yellen says rates may have to rise to prevent overheating. <laughs> oh, she's such a troll. She is such a troll. Turns out the human gatherings were not the source of COVID transmission. That was a pretty big miss, don't you think? <laughs> in engineering, one could go to jail for this level of incompetence in delivery. Oh, I, I absolutely believe nothing about COVID anywhere anymore. I just absolutely believe nothing about COVID. Just me. Just me. Absolutely. Sotheby's is now accepting Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies as payment. The first piece will be a Banksy masterpiece. And listen, you guys got to check out. You can go to uh, freedomainnft.com. Uh, I've got my Rise of Nazism video, never published, never produced. You could own it. You could own it. I'm telling you, that is going to be a big collector's item. And uh, I think it's going to rise in value enormously. Melinda Gates openly admitted that they hadn't really thought through the economic impacts of the devastating lockdowns that Gates demanded for the world. Yeah. Former head of MI6, far more likely coronavirus came from a lab. Oh, and you should read Nicholas Wade. Uh, Nicholas Wade, A Troublesome Inheritance, I think I had it on my show some years ago. Nicholas Wade had a great article. You can search for it on the origins of COVID. It's very, very interesting. S&P has launched a Bitcoin index, SPBTC. Uh, if Bitcoin keep moving off Coinbase at the rate they have over the last five months, the exchange will have zero Bitcoin left to sell in 454 days. Oh, this will blow your mind. This will blow your mind. So... This guy says, I was doing research on childhood obesity and found out that 50 to 80% of children drink at least one soda a day. So that's a can of Coke or Sprite or what is the, the godforsaken? I have a little bit of a weakness for soda, although I haven't had a sugared Coke in probably 30 years. 
Um, and I gave up on Diet Coke some some years ago. Uh, I never drank that much, but uh, I don't drink soda. I'll, I'll drink a club soda. Uh, I like carbonated water. I'll drink a club soda with a splash of lemon, but you, you, you can't drink soda. Soda is just unbelievable. You know, it's like if Satan peed into a cup and made it tasty, that would be that would be soda. So do you guys drink soda? Did you drink? Yeah, 20 to 30 grams of sugar per can, and it is just wretched. And uh, so 50 to 80% of children drink at least one soda, one soft drink a day, and 20% drink four or more. 20% of children drink four or more cans of soda a day. Uh, doesn't that doesn't that blow your mind? Does that absolutely blow your mind? Unbelievable. You just ordered a Diet Coke. Yeah, well, look at what Diet Coke and aspartame does to your gut bacteria. It's not good. It's not good. Uh, Steph, you slammed Bill Maher as a dinosaur idiot liar. Bill Maher is just profiteering off the dumbasses. It has nothing to do with morals. Well, yeah, so Bill Maher is an atheist, and Bill Maher, because he's not a Christian and he's not into UPB, obviously, I just assume that he's an amoral, you know, equivalent to Satanist. I don't mean he's an actual Satanist. I just mean that you might as, you know, everything but name, right? Everything but name. Huge soda fan. It's a problem for me. So my suggestion is if you want to weed yourself off soda, then what you want to do is get really, really pulpy OJ, get, get club soda, get really pulpy OJ. And, you know, do like two-thirds of the cup soda water and then like one-third pulpy OJ, not the syrup, or not, not the sort of unpulpy stuff because the pulp sh- sh- slows down the absorption into your bloodstream of the sugar, which is really, really important because, you know, I mean, fruit juice is, is like a candy bar, liquefied candy bar, candy bar. So if you're a big soda fan, just, just do that. And, and then what you do is you can just start removing over time the proportion of orange juice, right? So then you might end up with just a splash of orange juice. You'll get used to it. You get, I like the burn, I, you know, whether it's probably not that great for me. I do like the burn of uh, bubble water. And so, and again, I don't drink a huge amount, but I'll drink some. But yeah, that's my suggestion for getting off. So you, you get the flavor, you get the burn, and you, but you're not getting the aspartame and you're not getting um, all the caffeine and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, flavored Perrier, that can be pretty good. That can be pretty good. You can also get, I have one of these at home, you can get a um, soda drink maker, which is pretty, you know, save some money, right? Because soda can be quite expensive, so you can just get a soda maker at home. So let's see here. There's, uh, there was an article about Chiapas, uh, sorry, Chiapas, Mexico, people there drink two liters of soda per day. Well, and this is one of the reasons why uh, Mexico is like number one in diabetes for the world. Like it's number one in diabetes, just unbelievable, right? If you're going to add a sugar base, go for stevia. Yeah, that's the plant-based one, right? Bill Gates knew many small businesses were going to close while the government gave my money at gunpoint to him and his friends. Oh, yeah. I haven't had Mickey D's or Burger King in many years either. Yeah, Burger King actually makes some pretty good burgers. I had one uh, for the first time in many years, like a year ago. Yeah, it was pretty good. Might as well go for soda. Nobody hurts and nobody cries. Yeah, that's uh, Kim Mitchell, right? You know how they came up with that band name? They just they couldn't figure out their band name or they argued too much, so they just opened up the phone book and, yeah, oh, Kim Mitchell, let's do that. Uh, aspartame never rotted your teeth. Well, yeah, but there's nothing for free in this world, right? So let's see here. Seltzer is great to quit alcohol. Yeah. 
let's see here. There is no nutritional value in sugar, but it does give you energy and fuel. Yes, so of course we are primed for sugar because sugar and bright colors led us to fruit and fruit we needed to avoid scurvy and other and like other um, um, vitamin C deficient and other vitamin deficient illnesses, right? So yeah, for sure, we, we're drawn to sugar um, because that leads us to fruit, but you know, because there were chocolate trees back in the day, right? Uh, when I moved to Japan, I almost gagged that their tea has zero sugar. Then my taste buds came back, and I love the varieties of tea. So I had a friend when I was a kid in England. His name was Surdar. 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 He lived upstairs from me in the um, apartment building, and he, he was Turkish. And he was still working on his English. He was a lot of fun to, to play with. But uh, if we were playing uh, and, and he wanted it to be dark, he would say, Stefan, off the light, off the light. <laughs> okay, off the light. I would go and shoot the light. Um but uh, anyway, so I remember one of the really repulsive things that happened there was his uh, his uh, father was, uh, do you want some tea, young man? Do you want some tea? Oh, do, you want some, do you want some milk? And I'm like, ah, I love a glass of milk. I love a glass of milk, right? But I guess it's turkey, right? So they stir a crap ton of sugar into their milk, and I took a big swig of it. It was like, oh! Not as bad as buttermilk, but still pretty bad. Uh... Bill and Melinda Gates are divorcing after 27 years and have no prenup. They have no prenup. That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. Do you guys care about the... I've got some thoughts about it, but, you know. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Hit, hit me with a why if you'd, you'd like some thoughts on Bill Gates' divorce and Bill Gates as a whole. Hit me with a why uh, if you'd like that. I'm not offended if you don't because, you know, this is like your show. But uh, hit me with a why if you'd like me to talk with uh, any of that stuff. Uh, looks like we got a why. The truth about women, part four. <laughs> Melinda Gates. Well, the 69 guy is back. The 69 guy is back. We're just going to call you Mr. Pretzel. Um, they are Satanists. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, so uh, you guys know how Bill Gates made his money, right? He, Bill Gates made his money by buying an operating system and selling it to IBM. And his father is a patent lawyer, also heavily involved with Planned Parenthood. But his father was a patent lawyer. So Bill Gates is on the, uh, like, dealing with IBM, running out, taking calls from his dad. He had a, an incredible advantage. Like, no harm, to, no harm, no foul. I'm just saying they had an incredible advantage in the purchase of this. And uh, back in the day, when you started to, uh, when you bought a computer, the operating system was almost always proprietary, right? Like, I, I bought an Atari 800, and Atari made the operating system. Uh, you would buy a pet computer, and that would be the operating system. You'd buy an Apple, and right, uh, you'd buy a Commodore 64, or a VIC-20, or a Sinclair ZX80, or an Amiga, or whatever it is. Or Atari 520ST was my last non-IBM computer. And the, all of the operating systems were proprietary, and usually the hardware was proprietary as well. So Bill Gates bought an operating system for like, what, 70000 bucks from some guy, and then sold it to IBM, and there was an open architecture. In other words, uh, anybody could make IBM computers and license DOS. And this is where his fortune came from. And uh, it was okay for the most part, because when you were buying a lot of computers, you'd go with IBM. There's an old saying in the business world back then, nobody ever gets fired for buying IBM. And I, I competed against IBM a number of times in the business world. And it was really, it was really, I actually worked at IBM briefly as a temporary worker sometime in the, in the eighties, uh, very interesting place, very interesting place. Um, very slow moving, uh, very pompous, very stodgy, very staid, and um, so yeah. So IBM was like, yeah, fine, we'll you know we'll, we'll gamble on this open architecture to some degree, 
uh, because that means that everyone will develop software for our architecture as opposed to the Mac or whatever else was, was going on there. And I remember working with Nortel when they were moving from Macs to IBM, to IBM PCs or to at least Windows-based or Intel. Wintel, they call it Windows and Intel PCs. And so he, he made a fortune that way. And because the architecture was open and anybody could make hardware and anybody could make uh, could could license uh, an IBM compatible IBM clones. They were called IBM compatible. This is where Compaq came from. And uh, gosh, who were the other early <laughs> clone computer things? Uh, there was another C one. I, I can't remember. Anyway, so yeah, he he made a fortune through that kind of stuff. And then what happened was sort of fast forward. Uh, so the internet started to open up. And I remember seeing the internet in very early days. Uh, one of my good friends uh, was working out in Vancouver uh, at a university there, and he showed me the internet. And I just remember getting complete goosebumps, like, "Oh my god, this is gonna, this is gonna be everything. This is gonna change everything." It's like when I first heard of Bitcoin, I was like, "Oh my god, finally, I finally get some money for studying Austrian economics for no purpose <laughs> for many, many years." Now I understand what Bitcoin's all about. And so there was a company that built a browser called Nets, uh, Netscape. And it was a pretty good browser. And Windows, of course, didn't have a browser. And you'd have to pay like 30 bucks or 25 bucks or something like that for Netscape. So a lot of really wealthy people invested in Netscape because that was going to be the gateway to the internet. They thought it was going to be the new Microsoft, right? Netscape. And then what Bill Gates did was he said, oh, okay, I tell you what, we're going to build Internet Explorer. We're going to build a browser into Windows. And so he did that. And what happened was everybody, all the rich people who'd invested into um Netscape, uh, Navigator, I think it was called, uh, they lost a fortune and they got really mad and they ran to the government and they wanted to punish Bill Gates. And so the government opened up an investigation into monopoly practices um, in the 90s into Microsoft. And they'd already done this for 13 years with IBM. It's one of the things that killed the business at IBM. It killed IBM as an innovative company, as a forward-looking company, because it's it's incredibly expensive. It's incredibly exhausting. Nobody wants to work in that kind of environment where you're constantly getting dragged into and being deposed and all that. And it's just brutal. So Bill Gates got dragged into all of this stuff in the 90s. And he spent years uh, with the DOJ uh, fighting about this antitrust stuff. And I mean, yeah, it's interesting whether or not this is sort of moral or immoral. It's kind of on the gray area, right? So Microsoft and other, this is sort of, I won't sort of pick on Microsoft in particular, but this was a pretty standard business practice in the 80s and particularly in the 90s. So let's say Windows didn't have, this is just an example, it's not a specific thing. Well, let's say Windows didn't have a image preview, like you couldn't click on an image and see a preview because back in the day you couldn't, right? So some company called Image Preview made an image preview add-in for Windows and sold it for like 20 bucks or something like that. And you know, I guess people who wanted to look at their porn collection efficiently would buy it or something like that, right? So what Microsoft or other companies would do is they'd say, oh, we're going we're gonna to include that as a feature in the next version of Windows, right? And then Image Preview, the company, would collapse in value. And then Microsoft would buy that company for 10 cents on the dollar and then would incorporate that technology into the next version of Windows. And they'd say, see, we told you it was coming the next version. But they only did it because they bought the company. And so is that, you know, how, how fair is that? How right is that? It's a big complicated question, so I don't want to dive into that here, but this was a pretty common uh, business 
practice. Um, and it would kill just about everyone, right? There was QDOS, there was a bunch of other file managers and, and uh, uh, disk operating systems that were floating around. And yeah, they just didn't get that much of a, uh, of a foothold. And this, by the way, the DOJ investigating Microsoft for many years, it killed Bill Gates' concentration on everything else. And this is why the Windows phone never took off, because Bill Gates was so distracted and consumed by all of this useless stuff that, or destructive stuff, that he couldn't focus on Windows, uh, Windows phone. And Windows phone actually was pretty good. Windows phone was pretty good. It was pretty fast. It was pretty efficient. It was um, a good uh, phone operating system, but they completely lost out, of course, to Android and to uh, iOS, uh, and, and in part, that was because Bill Gates kind of lost focus because of this uh, endless antitrust investigation stuff. And it got down to the point, it's like, well, what language was used in actual emails uh, and, and all of that, right? You know, we're going to kill the competition. Oh, well, that's monopolistic practices and so on, right? So they ended up, uh, I, I've got a whole video on this, which you can look at, just look at Microsoft. Uh, you can go, and, and just by the by, for those who want to find this stuff, you can go to fdrpodcast.com and then just have a look for the shows and there'll usually be a video link at the, at the bottom. So FDR Podcast, free domain radio, fdrpodcast.com and just as a search engine, that's pretty good. And you can do all of that, right? So so yeah, they, they and, and so Bill Gates basically didn't want to be in the business world anymore, as far as I can tell. And, Kind of makes sense to me, right? Once you've spent a couple of years sitting across from high-priced lawyers with them combing over everything you ever did and deposing you and you, you know, you're under oath and, and you can get in serious trouble if you put one dot, one syllable, one sigh wrong, it kind of, you know, kind of takes the wind out of your sails. It kind of takes the fun out of the whole thing, right? And, and the enjoyment and the energy. So then what he did was he left the business world as a whole and he became a philanthropist, which had a lot to do to me, at least with evading a billion dollars worth of tax by transferring a bunch of his shares. He owns less than 2% of Microsoft now, but uh, transferring a huge amount of shares into a foundation. Then that foundation bought a bunch of businesses, did a lot of investment. And so then he became Joe Philanthropist, right? And uh, mosquito nets to Africa. And, and he brought, tried to bring some regularity and some efficiency to NGOs, non-governmental organizations trying to do charity because, you know, he's a basic manager guy and you, you, can't, you can't manage what you can't measure, right? So he would make sure that there were good processes a place to spread all this stuff out. And uh, to me, he's uh, unforgivable. He's absolutely unforgivable. Absolutely, completely and totally unforgivable. Because he's a smart guy. I mean, whatever you say about the guy, he's a smart guy. You know, I mean, he's worth, I don't even know what, what is he worth? Like, I don't know what he's worth these days, but it's some insane, you know, some insane number. And, you know, whatever he's worth, apparently a good haircut costs slightly more than that. But it's unforgivable because if Bill Gates wants to improve the world, what he should do or what he should have done is he should have promoted anti-spanking, anti-circumcision, peaceful parenting around the world. That's what he should have done. I mean, that's what I'd be doing if I had hundreds of billions of dollars. I'd just be <laughs> translating um, all of my work on peaceful parenting uh, into every language known to man and hiring amphitheaters and getting movie stars and rock stars to, to promote the message, right? So he went to all of the, I don't know, just the basic bitch stuff, you know, um, uh, and typical philanthropy 
white savior, white man's burden stuff. And he didn't promote peaceful parenting. He should, of course, have promoted Bitcoin, as all environmentalists should be promoting Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is going to savagely reduce wasteful expenditures in the world, because you can't have intergenerational debt, which is a consumption now at the expense of the future. Every time you save, you're reducing your environmental impact, right? Every time you spend, you're increasing your environmental impact. You're harming the environment every time you spend something. And it's fine. You know, the guy who's like, the world's overpopulated. I have three children. <laughs> okay, you know, you're just 50% up, right? That's okay. That's different because reasons. So he met Melinda Gates pretty early on and uh, he was dating some other woman, but uh, uh, he asked her out and he said, you know, are you available two weeks from now? And she says, well, that's not really very spontaneous. And he calls her the next day, says, let's go out tonight. And, you know, it's kind of famous. He put up the pros and cons of getting married on a, and she caught him. And it's like, like, this is some bad thing. Like in, in terms of like, should I get married to this person or not? What's wrong with putting up the pros and cons? It just seems kind of weird. Like, of course you would. Of course you would, right? And, you know, they've been together for 27 years. They don't have a prenup and they both hired at least four high powered attorneys. And it could turn into the one of these Dickensian death march, Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt, uh, baton death marches to to endless legal wrangling could go on like that forever. Some people say, well, it's just a tax dodge and so on, right? But no, he's uh, he's just, he's not a good person. He's not a good person. He um, He's very pro-vaccine and he's invested in what? Five of the seven companies that are selling these vaccines. So massive conflict of interest, massive conflict of interest. Like one of the guys who wrote one of the initial reports that there's no way that this coronavirus came from a lab in Wuhan. There's just no way. Turns out he'd actually invested and given money to that lab in Wuhan, so he might be liable if it did. Boy, that seems like a bit of a conflict of interest, but you need a non-retarded, non-evil media to even begin investigating that stuff. So do not hold by breath for that kind of stuff. And... Yeah, did he openly talk about using vaccines to depopulate? Yeah. Yeah. So he spent a good uh, portion of his time fighting malaria. Okay. But uh, African kids are still getting raped left, right, and center. So now they're raped and they don't have malaria. Maybe we could deal with the rape first. You know, would that be possible? Deal with the... You know, there's still significant portions of the population in Africa who think that raping a virgin will cure you of AIDS. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty bad. So, what, um, what do these philanthropists do? What do these philanthropists, I'm not, you know, they claim to be really into, you know, gosh, we've got to reduce and manage the world's population. And then they just give massive amounts of resources to Africa, where in some places you have five to seven kids per family. It's like, you guys got to pick a lane here. You guys got to pick a lane. And promotion of peaceful parenting, promotion of Bitcoin or whatever else is going to limit state power. What has he done to promote free speech? What has he done to promote any of these basic, what was he done to, to promote property rights? Again, maybe this stuff is a big foundation and all of that, but it's just basic bitch, boring stuff. And, and it's not actually making the world a better place, right? So if you want to make the world a better place, all that you need to deal with in the short run is childhood. 
all that you need to deal with is childhood. How much education, with all of his money, how much education into not beating, not circumcising, not mutilating your children? How much good could have come out of the world if he had taken his money and applied it to peaceful parenting and crypto? Can you imagine? And he's a smart guy. So what I'm talking about is not, I'm sure he didn't beat his own kids, right? So what, only only white people shouldn't beat their kids? That That's how, that's the world we're going to live in? We reserve reasoning with our children to only white people. <laughs> Come on. Come on. The, peop- the, the most violent environments for children are black families. I've said this before. The studies are fairly clear that half of black women cre- uh, complain about and rightly so, about having been raped by black men before they turn 18. Half. Half. And you wonder why the black family is not working out, right? So could he have promoted peaceful parenting in the black community or the Mexican, uh, Hispanic community, also very violent, whites less so, and East Asians even less so than whites? Could he have done that? How about, you know, the biggest question in the world, outside of peaceful parenting and maybe crypto. But the biggest question in the world is, are the IQ differences between races and ethnicities, on average, again, never judge individuals, but are those differences largely genetic or largely environmental? It's a huge question. It's a huge question with unbelievable ramifications for world peace. Because if IQ differences are largely genetic, and IQ within populations is about 80% genetic by your late teens. If IQ differences are largely genetic, and let's say Afghanistan has got an IQ in the 80s on average, right? So going to invade it to make them like the West is not going to work because there's no such thing as a free society when IQ is below 90. There's no such thing as a free society when average IQs are below 90. It just doesn't work because it doesn't happen. There's not enough deferral of gratification. There's not enough empathy. There's just, and cousin marriage, as you know, 10, 10 to 12 IQ points down with cousin marriage. It's just the way it is. So maybe he could have, uh, Bill Gates could have done something to push back against consanguinity, right? Against cousin marriage, which would have raised the IQ of various places in the world enormously and given them a chance to have a free society with limited governments and some constitutional rights. But invading Afghanistan to turn it into a Western-style democracy is like invading Japan to make people taller. If it's genetic right now, if it's environmental, he could figure out maybe what environmental issues can be fixed or saved or solved or whatever it is, right? Because declining IQ is just about the biggest problem in the world at the moment. Declining IQ is just about the biggest problem in the world at the moment. And he could have invested a tiny, tiny proportion of his money to try and figure out the true origins of lower IQs. If it's environmental, fantastic. I think peaceful parenting will do a lot to solve IQ issues because there's wisdom and it's better to have lower IQ and higher wisdom than higher IQ and lower wisdom. I mean, just look at Bill Gates, can't even sustain a marriage, right? So he could have poured his resources into examining the root causes of IQ. And if he finds out that it's mostly genetic, That's pretty important, wouldn't you say, for foreign policy decisions, for regime changes, for immigration policies, and so on. It would seem to me that's 
pretty fucking important stuff. And if it's environmental and you can figure out what environmental issues there are, because it's not nutrition. It's not nutrition. There are, was it Dutch children in the Second World War when they were in a siege or, or like incredibly short on calories and lived for a long time, years on almost no calories. They grew up to have just as high an IQ as everybody else and as their peers, right? The, the brain is the last thing to go because the body is always like, okay, we'll eat the bones before we'll eat the brain and we'll feed the brain before we'll feed anything else. So it's not specifically nutrition, although I think nutrition helps. I think a lot of it has to do with peaceful parenting. That can shave things. A lot of it has to do with breastfeeding. That can change things. So if he had invested his time and money, yeah, malaria, fine, I get it. But I mean, everybody's done malaria. Malaria's been done forever. And isn't it delightful at the moment that India is going through what they call a COVID surge you know, per, per population, like per capita is not so bad. But when I was on Twitter, whenever I would criticize India, it would be, oh, but... You know, the, the West only, England only had an industrial revolution because it stole trillions of dollars of stuff from India. Ah, yes. Remember when uh, the white man went to India and found all of those rocket ships and time machines and jetpacks? So, you know, a lot of the Indians like, oh, we, we hate the British. We hate the white people. They, they stole the industrial revolution from us. And then it's like, well, what do you mean you invented a vaccine and you're not giving it to us for free? It's like, do you love us? Do you hate us? Can you, can you pick a lane? Well, apparently not, right? So, yeah, he could have done a lot of good on Bitcoin. He could have done a lot of good on peaceful parenting. He could have done a lot of good on IQ research. But apparently courage costs $12 more than Bill fucking Gates actually has. Right? Gates' 2012 TED Talk on climate change, he explicitly states he wants depopulation via vaccination. Uh, I haven't seen that, but. If sub-90 IQ cultures cannot support a free society, statism their only option. Uh, I don't care. I don't care. Um, are there any books about IQ you would recommend? Well, I don't know about, yeah, lots of books on IQ that I would recommend. Uh, obviously, the classic, The Bell Curve, uh, a, troublesome, a Troublesome Inheritance by Nicholas Wade is, is very good. But um, what you want to do, I think, is go to fdrurl.com forward slash, so free domain radio URL, fdrurl.com forward slash IQ, and you will get 17 or 18 interviews I did with world experts on IQ. North Korea has a similar IQ as South Korea, despite going through terrible communist environment, meaning it is largely genetic. Yeah. Hey, Steph, do you have advice for an intelligent person who has potential but isn't reaching it for some reason? Well, there's... Only one reason why an intelligent person doesn't reach their potential, it's because you reaching your potential is threatening to the losers around you. So don't have losers around you. <laughs> Just don't have losers around you. You want to have people who are going to be excited and challenged by what you're doing and want to do as well, if not better. If you want to win, or if you want to be a good runner, you want to run with people who run as fast as you do so that you're competing with each other and getting better. So the only reason why high IQ people underachieve or people with a lot of potential underachieve is it will be threatening to the people around them and they'd rather hang on to their losers uh, in their environment than achieve their own potential, which I understand because we're tribal animals, but you're going to hate them. They're going to hate you either way. So, Steph, do you have an author you wish you could have spoken to while alive? Authors are generally pretty boring. This is, uh, goes all the way back to Socrates, right? So Socrates, when the oracle at Delphi told him that he was the wisest man, and Socrates said, well, that, that can't be true. I, I know barely anything. 
uh, he just said, well, I got to go ask everyone. This was sort of the origin of the Socratic method. And Socrates said, like, I went to go and see all of the the poets and the writers and the playwrights because their poems and their plays and their stories were just so full of wisdom and depth and power and understanding. But he said, I found them almost universally ridiculous and foolish and silly, like uh, Mozart in uh, Amadeus. And he said, so I, I kind of I kind of understood that that art was kind of like uh, epilepsy. It just happened to people, but they didn't have any comprehension of what they were doing. It just came through people and left no wisdom in its wake. So no, I don't really have any. Uh, I don't really have any any writers that I want to talk to. I think it would have been very disappointing to talk to Ayn Rand. Um, I remember when I first saw Ayn Rand being interviewed many, many, many years ago, long before the internet. It was pretty tough to find her interviews with Donahue or some other people. And boy, she was just unpleasant, just hard-faced, suspicious, cold, and uh, just did not seem to glow with much happiness at all. And uh, again, that was later in her life, and she was pretty, pretty bitter. Ever think about the parasocial relationship between you and your listeners, how much of a daily effect you have on them? Blow your mind? I think about my relationship to the truth, not about my relationship to the listeners. Because the only relationship I have with you guys is the degree to which I'm willing to speak the truth, right? So if, so your relationship is with the truth, right? If you want to fly to Vegas, you don't really care that much about the airline, right? Your relationship is with Vegas, not with the airline. So I don't really think about my relationship with you. I think about our combined relationship to the truth, which hopefully I can illuminate a little bit. So They're making the Fountainhead into a movie? Oh, that's too bad. Boy, that last one, I couldn't make it through. It's one of my favorite books, though, uh, for sure. Uh, before COVID-19, the CDC playbook for influenza pandemic. Do you know that they, even in the worst case, right? So they, they think Spanish flu, right? They never recommended universal masking, business shutdowns, or lockdowns. So everything they're doing is Communist Party pseudoscience. That is pretty true. And you should read, uh, uh, Niall Ferguson has a pretty good article on Zero Hedge, how Ike's 1950s America beat the Asian flu with science. It's pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, okay, let's do one last thing here. Is there, is there more important topics other than gates, like lockdowns and food shortages, hyperinflation? Well, see, this is the thing, right? So, Neophyte, let me just sort of introduce you to Human Interaction 101. Maybe you're not that good at it. And I, I say this with gentleness and tenderness, but maybe you're not that Maybe you're not that 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 good at this. So everything that I talk about, it's possible in your view that there could be more important things to talk about. Right? So if you find something really important, then you should talk about it in your own show, right? Or maybe you should, you know, because this seems kind of kind of bitchy, you know, aren't there more important topics other than gates? Well, Bill Gates has a huge effect on, on our lives, right? And also, Bill Gates, what is he, 65? So Bill Gates now uh, is showing that you just get divorced. Well, what a pathetic thing to do in your 60s, just get divorced. It's pathetic to get divorced anytime, but it's pathetic to get divorced in your 60s. Love is our involuntary response to virtue, if we're virtuous. So... Maybe she's figured out what he's up to. Maybe she's figured out that he's not a good guy. 
maybe she, or maybe he's figured out maybe someone had an affair or whatever but it's all just really pathetic it just goes to show you that money wealth brilliance fame power all of that kind of stuff you know doesn't doesn't mean shit if you don't have love in your life it just doesn't mean anything give you a diamond ring my friend if it'll make you feel all right i don't care too much for money money can't buy me love it's true i remember many years ago uh, after I moved out, I almost married the wrong woman, moved out and got a, um, a room in a condo. And there was a beautiful condo, a building, and it had a great gym, it had a squash court, it had a really nice pool. And I remember one night I played squash with a friend of mine, he couldn't stay, I worked out, I went for a swim in the pool and I was alone in the pool. I was alone in the pool. I was in my mid thirties, early thirties. And I was doing okay in the software world. I was certainly not super wealthy, or but I was doing okay. And I remember thinking when I was in that pool, I remember thinking, gosh, you know, if I ever became wealthy enough that I could have a pool like this, like in my house, like you get some, I don't know, $10, 15000000 million Uber mansion or whatever, and you could have a pool like that in your house. I remember thinking how unbelievably awful it would be to be in a big-ass house with a beautiful pool alone alone. See, Bill Gates is never going to meet anyone who's going to care about him for who he is. Because he's Bill Gates. He's too big. He's too famous. He's too wealthy. Nobody's ever going to get to know Bill Gates for who he is. His only chance to have someone who was with him, not just because he was Bill Gates, was Melinda Gates. And they couldn't make that work. And they said, oh, we spent a lot of time with the working on our marriage. So I assume they went to couples counseling. I assume they tried to make it work, but they just couldn't make it work. Which means one of them, or both of them, are bad people. Sorry about that. This is just a fact. If, if a relationship doesn't work out, one of you or both of you are bad people because two good people, two virtuous people, can reason with each other, can find compromises, and can make it work. Guarantee you absolutely 150%. Two good, moral, decent, reasonable people will always be able to make it work. So the fact that their marriage didn't work, they've been married for 27 years, raised three kids, the fact that their marriage doesn't work means one of them's an asshole or they're both assholes. Well, maybe they've always been that way. Maybe they just realized it. Maybe they feel the clock's running out. But now he's going to get to be alone. And who's he going to meet? Who's Jeff Bezos going to meet? Is he going to put himself on Tinder? <laughs> Come on. Come on. So, yeah. So, back to, is there more important topics other than Gates? No, there's a lot to talk about with regards to Bill Gates. Lockdowns and food shortages and hyperinflation. Do you want me to do the same show every week where I just talk about, I've talked about lockdowns. I've talked about food shortages. I've got tons of shows on hyperinflation. Tons of shows on hyper. I've read entire half books on hyperinflation during the time of the French Revolution. So, I've got, again, in my sort of rise of Nazism, I talk about the hyperinflation in the Weimar. I've talked to I've, and people and economists on it talking about hyperinflation. So, so if you're listening and you're feeling annoyed at the topics that I have, that could be a sign that you need to do your own show, genuinely. Fantastic. You should go do your own show. Because if you're dissatisfied with what I'm talking about, or maybe you could ask a question that would lead me in that direction. But just kind of bitching at me for not talking about what you find most interesting in the moment is not healthy. 
It's not a good thing to do to someone. It's not a nice thing to do to someone. It's not evil or anything like that. I'm just saying it's not a very nice thing. Like if you were talking about something you were really passionate about and I said, well, come on, there's more important topics than what you're interested in. Let's talk about what I'm interested in. That's just being a bit of a selfish douchebag as a whole, right? Again, doesn't mean everything I'm talking about is perfect, but you know, <laughs> it is It is kind of my show. All right, let's just do one last thing and then we'll get to you guys can call in. Uh, do you have the uh, link here? Let me put it back in here just in case, right? So you can join me um, there uh, on audio, but let's listen to these dudes, right? So this is the 2021 Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. This is Warren Buffett and um, what is that, Satan? Charlie Munger, sorry. Uh, I repeat myself. All right. So uh, let me just make sure you guys can hear this. Uh, I won't show the video, but. Well, those who know me well are just waving the red flag as a bull. <laughs> Of course, I hate the Bitcoin success. And I don't welcome a currency that's so useful and to kidnappers and extortionists and so forth, nor do I like just shuffling out a few extra billions and billions and billions of dollars to somebody who just invented a new financial product out of thin air. So I think I should say modestly that I think the whole Damn, development is disgusting and contrary to the interests of civilization. And I'll let, leave the criticism to others. <laughs> I'm all right on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, this is from Anthony Pompliano. Um, so Charlie Munger says, I should say modestly that I think the whole damn development is disgusting and contrary to the interests of civilization. So... Charlie Munger, Pompliano says, owns banks that launder billions of year, billions of dollars per year and have been charged criminally. So this is, this is, here's, here's what you have to be really, really careful of. People who, oh, 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 they invite you into laughing at someone or something. I mean, fucking retarded parrot librarian John Oliver does this stuff all the time. And Bill Maher tried it, you know, just laughed all a joke. Oh, it's contrary to the, I'm fine with that. Contrary to the interest. Okay. So if somebody's talking, he says it's contrary to the interests. It's disgusting and contrary to the interests of civilization. It's used for extortion and, and kidnapping and what is it? Blackmail, extortion and blackmail and, and you know, uh, all of that, right? So if they're right, this is really serious shit. Really serious shit. Now, you don't giggle and chortle about fucking kidnapping and extortion, right? You don't, you don't laugh about that shit. If, it's a, if Bitcoin is a criminal coin, right, you don't... Oh, oh, oh. If, if it is disgusting, contrary to the interests of civilization, then you don't fucking laugh about it. But this, so when people giggle about stuff and they make it kind of jokey and so on, that's them trying to evacuate your judgment. He's not presenting any arguments here, obviously. He's not presenting any evidence or any data. What he is doing is he's trying to get his retarded fucking investors to laugh at having missed out on the investment opportunity, not of a lifetime, but of all of human history. 
even so far, even so far, to have gone from zero to 50 to 60 plus thousand dollars per Bitcoin, unthinkable. Bitcoin is the asset that's gone to a trillion dollars faster than any other asset in history. And these two chowderheads are giggling because they can't sit there and say, well, obviously they've got no problem with evil because they use fiat, right? Fiat is murder coin, right? It's death coin. It's slave coin. It's a slave coin. It's a mark of the beast. It's a stamp of human ownership, right? So they got no problem because he owns banks, launder billions have been charged criminally. Yeah, no problem with that, right? No problem with that. So what do they have a problem with? They have to laugh. Well, it's a good thing that we didn't make you guys all that money because it's disgusting and contrary to the interests of civilization. Now I'm good with that. Why you would give your money to these people is absolutely incomprehensible to me. Absolutely incomprehensible to me. Let me tell you something else I wanted to mention at the beginning. Well, those who know me well are just waving the red flag as a bull. <laughs> so on the left here, right? Uh, Warren Buffett, that's Warren Buffett, right? Yeah, so he's got a he's got a giggle at this stuff. But it's serious shit. If you think this is criminal stuff, then and you're fine with fiat, then fiat is used to fund war. Fiat is used to fund intergenerational debt slavery. Fiat is used to fund unfathomable levels of evil in the world. So they got no problem with, with fiat, right? They've no problem with fiat. And what is it? 1% of Bitcoin is used for illegitimate activity. And some of that illegitimate activity is not even morally illegitimate. It just happens to be illegal. It's not a violation of the non-aggression principle to buy and sell drugs. It's not wise. It's not a violation of the non-aggression principle. There's no complainant. So these two guys, these two fucking crypt keepers of the mass murder status quo, they got no problem with fiat. They got no problem. They didn't say, well, Jesus Christ, we have got to sell our U.S. bonds because the U.S. just invaded Iraq, which is a sovereign nation that does not threaten the U.S. They just committed the international fucking war crime called aggression, which is the gravest war crime known to international law. They just invaded a sovereign fucking country irradiated half of Fallujah and murdered hundreds of thousands of people and destroyed an entire fucking country based on lies. So we have got to get the fuck out of U.S. bonds and treasuries because that's really, really fucking evil. No, they got no problem with that. These fucking sociopaths. They don't sit there and say, well, you know, when we give the when we give governments money, they use that as collateral to borrow against the future economic productivity of people who aren't even born yet. So clearly we can't give the government money because we're selling people into slavery. We're selling the unborn into slavery. They got no fucking problem with that, do they? No problem with that at all. Well, when we give governments money, they use it to mass surveil their own citizens. 
They use that money to indoctrinate and drug children for the crime of being bored by woke, hysterical, mind-numbing government indoctrination. <gasps> Are you not interested in what it is I have to tell you? Well, clearly, you have to be drugged. You don't like what I'm telling you? Well, you must have a mental illness, and we're going to have to drug you into a glassy, drooling, catatonic version of your former self. Two major institutions did that over the last hundred years. Number one, Soviet Russia. Number two, government schools. So they got no problem with any of that. <sighs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Teachers Union comes along and says, hey, can you guys handle our retirement investment portfolio? Absolutely we can. No problem with any of that. Love it. And these liver-spotted monsters in human form, they got a problem with a voluntary, free market, limited alternative to murder coin. Contrary to the interests of civilization. And they're laughing about it. I mean, I'll make some jokes about Bitcoin and all that, but you understand Bitcoin ends war. I mean, it will support a defensive war, but it, it ends empire. Bitcoin ends empire. And wouldn't it nice to have something that ends empire that isn't, I don't know, the fucking barbarians or economic collapse or mass starvation or Rome going from a population of 2 million to 17,000 in one year? Wouldn't it be nice if we could end empire without the deaths of tens of millions of people? I think that would be a plus. These guys, not so much. How do they want the empire to end? Is it going to be a soft landing, a transition to Bitcoin? Or is it going to be a hard landing and a transition to spears and rusty water. Is the, um, the end of fiat going to be a gentle transition to a limited coin that strips us of the ability to exploit each other like tax cattle farmers exploit their meat? Or is it going to be roving gangs of people highly disappointed that the government wealth they came for ain't coming anymore and they're going to take it some other way, usually not too well and often with a pair of fucking pliers. How do you want this to go down? It's Bitcoin or bust. It's Bitcoin or bust. But these two out-of-touch oligarchs, who as far as I can tell have never put a dime into promoting peaceful parenting, Oh, 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 it's funny, it's hilarious that we invest in murder coin because Bitcoin is really contrary to the interests of... Oh, 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 I'm good with that. Oh. You understand that the future will not be able to look at us without vomiting psychologically. They will not be able to look back at us without revulsion.
You know, you go read the Gulag Archipelago, or you go and and read about what happened at Treblinka or Auschwitz. The normalization of the deranged disassembly of humanity. You look back and you say, what species of beasts in human form loped across the landscape? How could people be like this? They're sitting on $145 billion. The amount of good that could be done with that kind of money. Blow your mind. They don't know what to spend it on. Now, if they had spent it on Bitcoin, then they and their clients would be worth 20 to 30 times as much. Now, can they talk about that? Because they've been trash-talking Bitcoin for years, these guys, right? Even if it's just greed and wanting to up your numbers. They missed out on the whole damn thing. They don't have any problem with evil. They want to profit off it. They love it. What they have a problem with is good. And when people invite you to laugh at this, they're trying to gouge out your moral center. They're trying to gouge out your capacity for empathy and self-regard. You don't fucking joke about this. You can make fun of people who are joking about it, but it is deadly serious stuff. And you don't just laugh about this stuff. These guys already have their money. They've already had their lives. What about all of you and we who are still waiting to start, still chomping at the gate, no future, no career, no job no house no girlfriend no kids the average 25 year old just a generation or two ago was already married and had a kid on the way or two already where are we swaddled in the infinite adolescence of not failure to launch but nowhere to fucking land when do we get ours the only way to get ours is through Bitcoin. And that's what these guys hate the most. To be so unbelievably wrong, to be so unbelievably wrong is painful to the satanic vanity of those whose only thought is to their own self-regard. And it shows. The old quote is very true from King Lear. Thou shouldst not have been old before thou were wise. All right, that's it for my beginning and intro us. If you have, uh, just click on a thingy here. If you want to chat, you want to bring something up, you want to talk, just uh, throw in your raise your hand or something like that, and I'm happy. You want to grill me, you want to criticize me, you want to have at me, have your way with me. I am all ears. And uh, I will just paste this once more. If you would like to... Uh, to join in. I appreciate your indulgence in my rants, and I am all yours now. 
Jerstefan. Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Oh, great. Uh, concerning what you said about uh, Bitcoin ending uh, imperial tendencies and ending uh, aggressive wars, I, I, I felt to understand because at the time where uh, empires would use gold, they would still uh, fund aggressive wars for conquering, right? So uh, I, I, I f let's say that uh, since both are limited in their, um, in their quantity, I wanted to understand more as to how Bitcoin would... Uh, well, I understand that it hinders the capacity for aggressive wars, but uh, I failed to see how it can stop it. No, that's, that's a very, very good question, very good point. So I'll just touch on some of the history briefly here. So uh, 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 empires are massive economic losses for the, for the country as a whole. And this is, you can just look at the history of the British Empire for the most part around this. So the, the only way that empires survive is, at least for temporarily, is, is two things. Number one, they enslave people. Number two, they devalue the currency. They debase the currency. And so in Rome, in ancient Rome, if you lived in a city uh, as a young man, they would snag you for like 20 years of military service and maybe you'd end up coming back alive but you know it doesn't doesn't do much for you right and and the odds are that you wouldn't make it back alive so you're just enslaved and that's the only way that empire can run and of course as you know the roman empire the roman government debased its currency the usual 95 to 98 percent before it finally collapsed and they did that by putting you know copper and and tin and other garbage metals into gold coins to the point where there was virtually no gold left in any of these coins so they debased the currency so they debased the currency and they enslaved people and that was of course the original plan for the american empire but what happened was when they had the draft so the, the draft and going off the gold standard were not entirely dissimilar. I mean, the, it was 71 that Nixon finally decoupled gold and, and all of that, and it took him to end the Vietnam War. But deficit financing was driving all the wars of the 20th century. So a lot of countries went off the gold standard in the First World War. Otherwise, the First World War would have been done in six months. If they had to use gold to pay for it, then they the war would have been over and, you know, 9 million or more people wouldn't have died and you wouldn't have wiped out all of the wealth generated by the Industrial Revolution and you wouldn't have the hyperinflation of the 20s. You wouldn't have the 13-year catastrophic Great Depression of the late 20s and into the 30s. You wouldn't have the Second World War, which was really the First World War with the 20-year armistice continued. You wouldn't have any of this stuff. And so enslaving people through military service and debasing the currency is how you run empires. It was the same thing in the British Empire. So currency was debased to some degree, but what happened with the British Empire was you would be impressed, you would be pressed into military service. In fact, um, my brother had a mug when he was little. It was a big pewter metal mug, and the bottom was glass. You say, well, why, why is the bottom glass? Well, because you would have glass tankers, glass-bottom tankers, sounds like a Queen song, right? Glass-bottom tankers in bars because the, they would put a coin into your glass. And if you touched the coin to your lips, then it would say, oh, you've taken the king's coin. We're now going to take you onto a ship, right? And so you'd lift it up and you'd make sure that you didn't touch the, the liquid that touched. You'd see if there was a coin at the bottom of your glass. 
And it sounds like the kind of story that's apocryphal. So it's either true or it's true enough that if you took the kin's coin by some subterfuge, they would take you on the ships. And then, of course, as you know, um, uh, more more British sailors died from scurvy than died from war, right? Because it was the, that's why they're called limeys, right? Because they finally figured out it was limes and oranges and vitamin C that kept people alive on these long voyages. So the British uh, enslaved people. Now, but why do empires happen? So empires happen because um, there's a certain amount of just paint the globe your own color vanity, but also because, you know, the British East, East India Company and some of the stuff that was happening between the Belgians, the Congo, the slave trade and so on, so you can get particular companies who are going to make profit only because they've outsourced the enforcement and protection of their vessels onto the taxpayers and the enslaved sailors as a whole. So if you want to sail from London to Hong Kong and you have to provide your own security, that's very expensive and probably it's not going to be particularly um, uh Effective. The only way you could get through in any kind of safety would be to bribe everyone along the way, probably would interview their profits too much to, to be able to make any money. So what you do is you come up with a navy or you use the existing navy to protect you along your way and you don't have to pay that directly out of your profits. And then you pay a certain amount to the government for the monopoly license to trade back and forth. And so you will get a certain amount of money for particular corporations when they've outsourced the protection of their trade routes to the general taxpayers and the slave sailors, right? And it's kind of an insult to uh, slavery because in many ways being impressed into the Roman army and into the British Navy was worse than being a slave because the whole purpose was to fight and die, right? Which is not the purpose of slavery is to survive and produce, right? And reproduce. And you couldn't have a family on a ship, but you could have a family as a slave. Right? So so you'll find this consistent and, and issue, con common issue which is the average person does not want the empire. The average person suffers enormously from the empire, both in terms of higher taxes to pay for the empire and in terms of being literally enslaved in the criminal enterprise of the empire. And it's the same thing now as, as it always has been. I mean, right now, the America's being invaded from the South, but all of the troops are in the Middle East, right? For reasons that I'm sure we all know and are aware of. So yeah, the history of, of empire has been this way for sure. Now, Bitcoin... Um, because Bitcoin has the amazing capacity of being truly limited in a way that nothing else is in, in the realm of finance, right? You can always find more gold, right? But, oh, you can, if gold price goes high enough, then people have gold sitting around in their house, like their grandmother had some gold necklace or whatever, they might sell it or melt it down or whatever it is. And, and if the price goes up, there's more incentive to dig further to, to get gold, or maybe you'll find some in an asteroid somewhere, right? So you can always get more gold, but Bitcoin is limited to 21 million no matter what. No matter what, Bitcoin is limited to 21 million. And so when you have limited currency, you can't just borrow Bitcoin to start a war. You can borrow currency to start a war. You can't just print Bitcoin to start a war. You can print money to start a war. You can't just steal people's stuff to start a, to, you can't just steal people's bitcoin to start a war you can steal people's property i guess through force but it's pretty inefficient right and so and and let's say that there's some some country operating on bitcoin right let's say it's and kapistan is some country operating on bitcoin so when you invade another country you do so in primarily to take over its existing tax structure right so when america 
sorry, when, when Germany invaded France in May of 1940, it did so to take over the tax structure so that instead of the money being paid to the French government, the money was then paid to the occupation German government, right? I mean, except for the South and all that. But but you 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 take over the existing tax structure. But if you have a a country run on Bitcoin, there's no central place everyone's pouring their money into that you can just grab all of that that stuff. And people would just stop paying their taxes. And then maybe you have to go door to door, but you can't just reach into their bank accounts and pull it out in the way that you can. You garnish you their wages. You, you can't just yank and put a big haircut or take their taxes out of their bank account because you can't get their coins without their permission. So not only can you not just create money out of thin air to pretend that the empire is somehow valuable, right? Because what happens, as you know, the, the government, sorry, I'll stop saying, as you know, it's kind of annoying. So the government in America and other places, what the government does is it borrows or creates a huge amount of money, which you can't do under Bitcoin. You, you cannot just, because they're borrowing in the government, they're generally borrowing from the future, right? You have bonds and you've got like place, Nova Scotia is like 75 year bonds and shit like that's crazy, right? So you can't just borrow money from the future and you can't just print the money and you can't just steal the money. So how are you going to pay for it? Now, a defensive war, yes, people will pay to protect their own country. They'll give up Bitcoin. You know, maybe people will give up 5% of their Bitcoin to retain 95% of their Bitcoin, whatever, right? So they'll, they'll be defensive wars, which I don't really think of as wars. It's like saying defensive murder, right? Wars, I generally think, are the initiation, not the self-defense. So if you can't just create the money, to pay for the war, as America does, right? The, the American government creates a bunch of money, and then they spend that money, and it looks like they're creating economic activity in the same way that taking cocaine makes you feel really happy, like you've just solved all your life problems through self-knowledge and virtue and blah, 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 right? Or cocaine or, or heroin makes you feel like you don't have a toothache anymore, so all the problem has been solved. So if you can't just create money, if you can't just borrow money, if you can't just snap your fingers and summon value out of a genie's ass, then how can you possibly pretend that an empire is valuable? Everything that a government or an authority figure does in a Bitcoin environment has to be something that people voluntarily accept the value proposition. Now, people who are enslaved to be sailors or soldiers, they're not accepting the value proposition. People who are, in a sense, enslaved to say, oh, well, it's not the draft anymore in America. It's like, well, yeah, but the money's drafted. The money to pay the soldiers is drafted from the unwilling, from the forced, from the unborn, through debt and inflation and all that. So if you actually have to provide a value proposition for empire, you can't. You can't. You actually have to sell something to people in a Bitcoin environment. You have to sell them on something. Now, again, if, if all these hordes are going to come in and, and bomb them and attack them, then sure, you're going to have defensive wars and all of that for sure. But again, people will be very unlikely to attack a Bitcoin environment because there's no tax structure for them to take over and there's no bank accounts for them to reach into. And they can go door to door at gunpoint, but given that a Bitcoin society would be an armed society, it would be kind of risky for them to do that. And it wouldn't, wouldn't really work out that well. I've said this before, like if you want to take over 
land and make it productive, you want to take over an existing farm. You don't want to just take over some wild area that you're going to have to start pulling all the trees out by their roots. It's not going to be any fun. It's not going to be very profitable, right, so to speak. So I've got a whole speech where I go into this in excruciating levels of detail with reference to the cost of World War I. It's called Bitcoin versus War. I gave it probably six or seven years ago. So you can look up that speech again, fdrpodcast.com. Bitcoin versus war is the way to go. But no, Bitcoin ends slavery. It ends intergenerational debt slavery. It ends inflation, which is theft. It's theft of particularly the poorest people. It ends any value proposition which relies on money printing or money borrowing, which is not a value proposition at all, at all. It's a value proposition like, I kidnap your dog and I'll sell him back to you. Oh, look, <laughs> I'm now restored to where I was before. I'm just minus whatever ransom was paid for the dog. So I, I, just a bit of a brief overview, but just, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that doesn't answer everything. Is there anything else that you wanted to ask about that? Well, I, I think I, I'll go uh, watch the lecture on, uh, on free domain. Uh, on the subject, but uh, yeah, I, I just, um, I just, I, I felt to see, essentially, uh, how, how society based on Bitcoin can effectively defend oneself. Maybe it's just my vision that people are going to be too selfish to to do that. But that is just me. okay. So no, that's that's a fair question. So if people are that selfish, you can't give them a government. Right, because if people are too selfish to even defend themselves, then they're too selfish to ever be allowed to have a government. Does that make sense? Because if they're that selfish and that irrational, then they're going to do absolutely horrible things with government power. So saying people are so selfish that we have to have a government is a complete contradiction in terms, right? If they're that selfish, the last thing you'd ever want to give them is a government because they'll use that government power for their own selfish ends. Does that sort of make sense? Well, I mean, that's when uh, statism comes play. It's one person's selfishness that trumps everyone, everyone else's, in a sense. How uh, it, it's well, exactly when you said that people uh, under a certain uh, 90 uh, of IQ cannot really form a, a free society. Well, I guess that would be a similar, but just with a uh, level of uh, selfishness sorry can you I, i'm sure i got the question if you could just say that again oh yes so um when you mentioned that people uh that are so selfish uh, cannot have their own uh, government well isn't it just going to be someone that is uh, more ruthless and more selfish than the others that is eventually going to uh, enslave the others so let's say we're starting with a free society, okay? And let's say that you're Bill Gates or uh, Charlie Munger or some evil Bond-style villain that wants to take over that free society, okay? So how, how are you going to do it? Well, um, I guess I'll first uh, try to uh, take away the people's, well, well, <laughs> I guess the first uh, the the first step would be uh, 
to have people um, give away their right to well defend themselves and also uh, no 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 sorry sorry <laughs> what practical steps are you going to take and I, I'm I'm challenging you right and it's perfect you may have great answers to all of this right so what practical steps are you going to take to take over everyone in a free society what are you going to do Let's, and um, we'll, we'll say you've got a lot of money, right? We'll say you're a billionaire, right? Whatever, right? You've, you've, you've got your billions of dollars. What are you going to do to take over everyone? Give me, give well, me the first part of the first step, right? Because if you're worried about something, and I, it's good to be worried about these kinds of things because we're talking about a revolutionary change in society and some of those don't always go so well. But you, you, want, you don't want to just have an adjective fear, which is like, well, what if something bad happens? It's like, okay. But, but one of the sort of self-knowledge and, and self-management 101 things is to say, okay, how could that happen? Like I could sit there and say, well, what if, uh, what, what if uh, um, uh, everyone uh, shows up at my house tomorrow and, and locks me in a, in a cage, right? Okay, well, okay, how, how could that happen? And, and what steps could I take to defend myself against that? And like, you got to think these things through. You don't want to just have stuff hanging out there. You have to say, okay, so let's say there's a free society and someone wants to take it over. Now, the first thing that you would want to know, or the first thing you'd want to say is, I wonder if anyone's asked that question before, right? So whenever we talk about a state in a society, and I've been doing this for like 20 years now, right? So th there's like five different questions that always come up, right? And literally thousands and thousands of books and articles and podcasts and videos have been made to answer these questions, right? And I'm not saying you would necessarily know that, but one of the things that's really important when it comes to one of the greatest virtues is humility. Now, humility is if I think I've got a really good objection to something, then I'm sure someone has thought of it. You know, like the people who say, well, but Bitcoin, it, it uses too much energy. It's like, you know, that this has been talked about for like half, half a decade in Bitcoin or more, really. And so many people have given so many answers to this. So the first thing you want to do is you want to say, okay, has anyone ever done any work on how a stateless society would defend itself against being taken over? And since it is the first question that everyone comes up with, I can promise you, I mean, I've got whole books on it. Um, there's tons of people. Uh, 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 Larkin Rose uh, has got books on it. Um, Murray Rothbard has got books on it. Uh, there's there's um, the machinery of D uh, David Friedman has got books on it. The machinery of, the machinery of freedom. There's tons of people who've done tons of work explaining how. So don't just and this is a general thing. Like don't just sit with your fears, right? What you want to do uh -huh. is say, okay, that's a pretty obvious objection, and I'm sure lots of people have worked on it before. Now that doesn't mean that that they've answered the question to your satisfaction. Maybe there's something missing, and but at least what you want to do, just so I don't go insane, right? Is you don't want to go and say, when when 50 years of work has been done on a particular topic, to go to someone who's an expert in that topic and say, explain this to me, because that kind of puts the onus on me to step you through all of this stuff that's very easily available on the internet for you to read yourself. Now, again, if you've read this and you say, I still have a question or an issue after you've read a bunch of stuff, I think that's great. But asking me to do you know, how a free society defends itself 101, when you haven't even really thought about what you would do if you were an evil guy who wanted to take over free society. And now that's the first thing you say, okay, well, if, if I'm an evil guy, how would I want to take over free society? Well, I got to gather an army. Okay, how am I going to gather an army? That would be kind of visible. And people wouldn't want to sell me a weapon if they knew I was going to be using it to take over and take away their property rights. And how would I hire all of these people? 
Um, because if, if I was hiring some army that would be totally visible, uh, again, if it's a blockchain-based so uh, society, then you could see people's financial maneuverings. But even if you couldn't for some reason, it would still be pretty obvious and pretty visible. Now, nobody would want that to happen. So what would a society do to safeguard itself against someone taking it over, either internally or externally? Well, they would hire people to make sure that nobody got an army except for defensive purposes, right? And say, oh, well, but the defensive army could then be used to attack the local society. It's like, well, sure, of course it could. Everybody's aware of that. Everybody's aware of that. In which case, like you could hire a security guard who could steal from you. Of course, everybody's aware of that. Everybody's aware of that as a possibility. So instead of saying, well, here's the problem and therefore it can't work. Well, you could just could get taken over. You got to think things through. So you say, okay, well, somebody could pretend that they were raising a defensive army and then turn it into an offensive army to take you over. And it's like, well, everybody would be aware of that as a danger. So what steps, so what steps would people take to prevent that from coming about? Well, there's tons of things you could think of, but nobody would, nobody would give someone money to create an army, which they would then use to take over those people's lives. Like, no, you wouldn't, I wouldn't, nobody would. So we would want to make damn sure that whoever was doing some kind of defensive army would never, ever be able to use that against us. And there could be many, many different ways uh, of, of doing that, right? It could be that uh, you, the person puts a, a, a billion dollars into an escrow account, and the moment that they get one more bullet than they promised to get, um, then that money gets distributed to everyone in the society. There could be any number of things. It could be as ridiculous as um, these weapons only work uh, outside of these borders. They have GPS things in them and they don't work inside the border. So you can't ever use them against the citizens. You can only use them firing outside of the country. You could come up with 6 million different ways, but uh -huh. uh, people would, would figure it out if that makes sense. Yes, yes, definitely. All right. Thanks, man. I, mean, I appreciate that. If yes. anybody else has a, if you could just mute yourself again, if anybody has a comment or issue, I'm happy to hear. I, I promise not I to be too crabby about it, but uh, go ahead. Sure. So to transition away from the evil part of uh, uh, the conversation, um, might you have any tips for convincing colleagues like skeptics, uh, tightwads, risk-averse people, older people, colleagues, friends, and family to uh, invest in crypto, who, uh, especially in Bitcoin, who may not understand now or ever how cryptocurrencies work? Okay. I mean, my first question would be, why would you want them to invest in crypto? Well, if these are people who are you are connected to, you're surrounded by, uh, ideally, of course, you would want to be surrounded by people who are already in crypto. But, but I'm sorry, why wouldn't you just buy crypto? Hang on, hang on. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. But why wouldn't you just buy crypto for them? Why do they need to well, buy if you don't have it? Well, if you don't have access to their accounts, uh, their monies, if you have a friend who is investing in stocks and uh, uh, the stock market, you can't invest in crypto for them. Sure you can. I don't understand what you mean. Like you could just take $1,000, you could buy Bitcoin, you could have a wallet, and you could just put that wallet, I don't know, wherever you put it, uh, you, could, you could put it in cold storage, you could paper it, you could put it on a flash drive or something, right? Sure, you could give them, and then just give them, them the crypto, from your own right? money. Why do you, yeah, you need to convince them? Give, well, for for their own benefit, in the same way that you convince other people, like uh, your listeners. 
Well, no, but I, I'm I'm talking to everyone, right? So it's kind of different. Like, so let's say you got your mom and you want your mom to have some crypto. Why does she need to buy it? Why don't you buy it for her? I'm just, it's a possibility. Maybe there's some good reason. I don't know, but but I'm just curious. Well, you might buy $1,000 or $2,000, but there's only so much you can buy while your mom or whoever is holding a, a fiat or investing in like a savings account of 2% or something. Well, but you can buy a lot. I mean, right? Because it's going up in value. Or you could buy some sure, crypto that you think you is going to go up in value. And, I mean, I'm not saying you've got infinite money or anything like that, but let's say you think that crypto is going to go up 10 times over the next year, which, you know, could happen, right? Let's say crypto is going to go up 10 times over the next year. You can buy quite a bit of crypto based on that, right? Or you could take some of your crypto and, and give it to them. Because I'm just, I'm trying to think what's easier for you, right? And in, instead of all of the time that you'd spend trying to convince people, why don't you just spend that time researching crypto, finding the right time to buy, finding the right people to network with and and wouldn't it be more profitable to learn more about crypto, become more of an expert on crypto rather than spend all of your time trying to get other people to buy it? Because then, of course, you have to deal. Oh, there's been a 10 percent dip and they're calling you up and you've got to talk them down from that. Man, just just buy them some crypto and, and give it to them later. Somebody says holding an account for someone is also holding tax liability for someone. Well, so. If you care about someone, um, so you pay their tax liability, but then if it's for your mom, when she dies, you'll get, get the inheritance of the crypto back. So, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, and I don't, maybe you don't realize the issue until uh, the, the, the crypto is sold, the, 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 um, right, the capital gains tax. So, yeah. I, I, see, here's the thing. If you, if you claim to be an expert on crypto, but you can't afford to buy crypto for your friends, you're not an expert on crypto. Like, I'm sorry, they're just not going to believe you, right? I mean, Max Kaiser was an expert on crypto. And what did he give? Like 1,500 coins to Alex Jones. And I think Alex Jones lost the laptop or I don't know what happened with that story. If the story is, I heard about it and it was even true. But if you claim to be an expert on crypto and you can't afford to buy a reasonable amount of crypto for people, whatever that is, right? It doesn't have to be a whole Bitcoin or half a Bitcoin. It could just be something, right? So... What you want to do is be confident enough to buy crypto for other people. And if you say, well, I can't afford to spend 100 bucks on crypto, then I would, I would question whether you're much of an expert on crypto. And, and your friends will too, right? Because if you're too broke-ass to, to spend 100 bucks or 1,000 bucks on crypto for someone, then you're really not much of an expert on crypto because it's not too hard. You know, if you've got an asset like Bitcoin that's appreciated 200%, a year for 10 years and you can't afford to buy your friend's crypto, I would say look into your own education and figure out what's deficient for you that you can't make money in crypto when you claim to be an expert. But that would be my suggestion. I'm just a big one for save, save time. Now, at some point, crypto is going to go up so much, right? And imagine this, right? Imagine how happy someone's going to be. Crypto goes up 10 times and they're like, oh man, I can't believe I didn't buy crypto when you recommend it. And you're like, here you go, my friend. I did it for you. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't that be great? Does that make sense? Sure, thanks. All right, thank you. I'm just trying to give you alternative uh, ideas because you, you can't reason with people sometimes, right? And uh, for me, um, I mean, most of my audience is kind of crypto familiar, but uh, I'm talking to the world, so it's a little bit different. I'm not 
trying to get one individual person to do it, right? So, and, and um, they may not be particularly smart. And here's the thing too, right? So this is the question too, is do you want your friends and family to have Bitcoin? I know that this sounds kind of, kind of odd. It sounds kind of funny, right? But do you want to? Now, of course you want them to have some money and I get all of that. And, and, uh, but in terms of like overall good of the entire environmental space, it comes down to the big question of subsidies. So we talked earlier about the fountainhead. So the fountainhead is incredible. And one of the, I'm sorry about the spoiler, but the book was written in the 1940s. I think we can do a spoiler or two here, right? And it's not a much of a spoiler, but one of the issues with the fountainhead is you've got this one genius architect and this one mediocre architect. And the genius architect keeps helping out the mediocre architect. And then this destroys the mediocre, the mediocre architect because he gets a sense of, of fame and, and wealth and power and authority and influence that does not fit his personality. And if you are not smart enough to get crypto, should you have crypto? It's a big question. It's now maybe what you do is you keep the crypto and you could sell some of it at some point and give them some money because they can probably handle fiat, right? But crypto is kryptonite for the dumb. Crypto is kryptonite for the dumb or for the average or for the non-financially illiterate or whatever, however you want to, if they don't have the magic source that has you really understand the incredible power and value and human salvation factor of Bitcoin, should they have it? Isn't it too much power? Isn't it too much money? Isn't it too much authority? Isn't it too much stress? Because I'm telling you, man, crypto is like winning the lottery. Can you handle winning the lottery? Well, the answer is most people can't. Most people's lives are destroyed by winning the lottery. Most people's lives are destroyed by winning the lottery. I mean, people can't even handle being good looking for God's sakes. <laughs> Do you think they can handle the future where people will whisper of somebody else? My God, do you know I had rumors he has an entire Bitcoin? That's where he, he, he used some of it to pay for his castle. Can they handle it? Is it good for them? I don't know. People often can't handle fame. They can't handle money. They can't handle looks. They can't handle power. Is it wise to give people something this powerful if they're not smart enough to understand it? Is it the blindfolded person with a machine gun and epilepsy? Right? You got to think long and hard. Those are big, important questions. Giving things to people that they have not earned destroys people on a regular basis. Giving things to people that they have not earned destroys people on a regular basis. And you have to really ask yourself that tough question. Do you want to give this much power to the people in your life? Now, maybe you want them to have a little more money or a lot more money. Great. Then you can invest and you can give them fiat and, and all of that on their behalf. But giving them actual Bitcoin? <sighs> What if they screw up and lose it? What if they uh, dump it out of panic? What if uh, they have so much crypto that they become arrogant and annoying? What if it destroys their relationship with their friends? Because you give your mom uh, some crypto, some Bitcoin, it goes to the moon, and then she's got nothing in common with her friends anymore. And she's like, oh, that's really terrible. Maybe her friends find out she's got Bitcoin and they're envious of it. Like, you understand, you're just giving people shit doesn't usually help them. In fact, quite often, if not the majority of times, if not the overwhelming majority of times, it wrecks them. 
So I'm not saying don't be generous. Be generous. Be kind. But kindness is not just giving people stuff. That's welfare state thinking. We'll just give people stuff. Oh, this woman has has no dad and a bunch of kids. Give her money. Oh, dear. We just lost our entire civilization, right? So I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Well, in the future, they might all be using Bitcoin anyway, but at a thousandth of the price. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And they may then ma get mad at you and say, well, you should have worked harder to convince us of Bitcoin. And it's like the Sorcerer's Apprentice, if you've ever seen that old Mickey Mouse cartoon, where he's he's got this magic spell that, oh, I'm just going to have the mops mop themselves and I, I the 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 scrubbers scrub them like I won't have to do anything and then it all goes to hell in a handbasket giving people more power than they have earned is generally a recipe for destruction right I mean that, that we go back to Satanism right what does Satan do he gives you stuff you haven't earned all you have to do is give up your soul and he'll give you money power wealth fame sexiness attract whatever right and you didn't earn it giving people what they have not earned while enormously tempting is usually incredibly destructive. And it hurts to even think of that. Because we're not just talking Bitcoin here, right? You understand, right? What we're talking is respect. Do you give people respect that they have not earned? Do you give people love that they have not earned? It corrupts you and it corrupts them. Pay people what you owe them. The fundamental principle of justice, pay people what you owe them. If they've earned your contempt, give them your contempt. If they've earned your high esteem, give them your high esteem. If they've earned your respect, give them their respect. And be very careful if you have the kind of personality that generates value, significant value, handing out that value to people. It can be like giving fire to a chimpanzee. Maybe he evolves or maybe you lose the whole damn forest or jungle. Be careful about transferring your excess of whatever to other people who have not earned it. Now, they may have earned it in other ways. Maybe a mother took absolutely fantastic care of you. Maybe she's always wanted to go and visit Bora Bora. And, you know, maybe you can go buy her a ticket and make her happy that way. That's, you know, I'm not saying don't be generous. Be generous. But, man, I, I've, I've tried so many times in my life to be really generous. Sometimes it works. A lot of times it really doesn't. A lot of times it really doesn't. I tried giving my mother money. Straight up money. Oh, she's, I'm doing okay in the business world. She's not making much, she's got no, no job. I'll give her some money. And she just used it to launch lawsuits and try and destroy people's lives. Whoops. I then became complicit in something destructive and had to stop it. You know, it's unbelievably hard to help people. Other than by being an inspiring example. I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying... If you understand Bitcoin and you can handle it, because it's going to be a lot of power, already is a lot of power. If you understand Bitcoin and you can handle it, you can handle having a hundred times your money or a thousand times your money. It's a lot to handle, man. It can be isolating. It could be also that you're concerned about you make a lot of money and your friends and your family don't and what the hell are you going to have in common and are they going to resent you and maybe you can pull them up with you. Maybe you can. But give them knowledge and let them make their choices or buy it on their behalf. But if you buy it on their behalf and give it to them, they may not be able to handle it.
we are not, as a species, very good at handling power. And my entire existence as a public intellectual has been founded on rejection of power. I never tell people what to do. I always tell them this is not investment advice. I always tell them, I said this to the guy, the black guy who wanted to know what he should, I can't tell you what to do. Because if you listen, that's too much power for me. And it's not empowering to you. Everything that I do has been consciously set up to avoid the accumulation of power on my behalf. Come on, you all know I've got the persuasive and linguistic skills to take over vast swaths of people if I want, which would be repulsive to me and entirely disrespectful to the free will of the audience. If you give people power they cannot handle, they will burn out. And they will resent you. Let's say you give someone a Bitcoin and it goes to 100K from 60K and they sell. And then they go to a million. Then the Bitcoin goes to a million. How are they going to feel? Are they going to be mad? Are they going to be happy? That money will be long gone. Probably. Most people who have winnings in lotteries, they blow it and burn through it and waste it. And what's happened is you've then taken a Bitcoin from someone who could have really used it for a moral cause and reason, and you've given it to someone who blew it on an expensive car or some stupid shit, right? And they then look at not, oh, look, I got, I made, I made $30,000 because it went from 70 to 100K. And they look and say, oh my God, I could have made millions of dollars. Oh, the torture, the hell, the horror, the, dis the, the, the discontent, the frustration. How do you know that giving people what they have not earned is going to make them happier? How do you know? Just about every example from psychology, my personal existence, philosophy, and history says quite the opposite. You give people what they did not earn, you wreck them. We are designed to earn what we get. And if we get what we have not earned, it very often, in fact, most times, seems to corrode everyone from the inside out. All right. If anybody... Yeah, if you've got kids, that's a different matter, right? That's a different matter. That's a different matter. It's the same thing. Hi, it's Steph. the same thing with the with the vaccine. Sorry, go ahead. Well, thank you. I really appreciate these Wednesday night live shows. Okay, thank you. They're really good. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, you're on. I was wondering. I have a question about your relationship with cryptocurrencies. I was wondering. <clears throat> obviously, you hold cryptos. I was wondering, do you buy them regularly or irregularly? How do you buy them or and things like, do you have like a cold storage or do you use a app wallet or what kind of things do you do? It's a little personal. I'm just curious why you want to know what, what value that information would give to you. Well, it would be like advice. I don't want to know like how much cryptos or what cryptos you No, no, but have. that's like saying, that, that's like <clears> saying <throat> that, that my way of doing things is the best way of doing things. There's no, there's no guarantee of that. No, no, no. Right? So it's, it's like the Certainly risks not. that I'm willing to take in terms of giving out information had something to do with the fact that I'm older than most people in this, in this area. So I have less mm -hmm. runway, so to speak. Like somebody who's 20, uh, if they get deplatformed, it's pretty bad. If I'm 53 or 54, it's sort of a different matter. So um, I, I would never want to say to someone, the way that I manage my finances 
is somehow the best way to manage finances or it's the right way to manage finances because it's all personal to a level of risk. It's personal. Some people prefer consuming in the present. Some people prefer saving for the future. You know, there's all these people who are like, I can't believe the boomers are selling their Bitcoins. It's like, well, of course they are. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with selling Bitcoins if you're 65. Why? Because are you really going to enjoy your Bitcoins and travel and whatever fun stuff you want to do with your Bitcoins when you're 85 and need help getting up a flight of stairs? What the hell are you going to do with all that money then? Your eyes are shot. Your hearing is shot. Oh, I've got really great audio for my 25% working ears or whatever, right? So so I think if you're 20, you probably want to hold on to your Bitcoins. I think if you're 65 and you want to sell some Bitcoins and go pillage the experiences of the world, I think that's a great thing to do because, you know, your energy and your strength is going to fade out over time and you want to enjoy your money when you're limber enough to climb the stairs at Chichen Itza or something like that, right? So, So the reason, you know, it is kind of personal. Like, I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't want to tell me um, all about your investments or whatever property you own or how much taxes you pay is all kind of personal. But I also would reject the question as a whole because um, whatever I do is particular to my time preferences, to my level of risk. And the other thing too, you know, being deplatformed is is hell on the uh, on the income, right? And so I would have different decisions than somebody who had a regular a paycheck, uh, if that makes sense. So I think it's all too particular and personal to really have any value from sharing. I would certainly say that uh, you want to make sure you keep them secure (laughs) and all of that kind of stuff. But, uh, and I don't believe that, I mean, Bitcoin is the thing. To me, Bitcoin is the thing. It's not like Bitcoin and, and, you know, I know Ethereum's gone up even more. Was it Mm 1,500% over the last couple of months? uh, Oh, it's it's pumping, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Ethereum has gone up even more than uh, Bitcoin. And uh, my personal experience with Ethereum is not particularly positive. Uh, but um, uh, I think that uh, Bitcoin is the thing and Bitcoin will drag some other ones along. But I think that once enough significant value gets invested in Bitcoin, then whatever these other um, cryptocurrencies are doing will probably be borked into Bitcoin as a whole because that's where the real value proposition is. So uh, I'm very bullish on on Bitcoin, and uh, that's uh, um, you know my my particular thought. But no, I'm not I'm not going to particularly break out my strategies of of managing assets because oh, no, I just no. don't I don't no, think no, it's don't, transferable I'm, to other people. If that makes me. sense, it it does. I don't want to ask you personal questions. Maybe you can just give me a yes no if you want to answer. I have just three basic questions. For example, the first one is: Do you just purchase Bitcoin in general? Just I'm just curious. Well, From see that again. Is, or, you don't what, have to tell what, me what, how much. That, or what would that matter like that. to you? I mean, would you buy Bitcoin if I bit, bought, bought Bitcoin, or not buy Bitcoin if I didn't buy Bitcoin? I'm not sure why. <laughs> what would that? Why would that matter to you? I mean, well, that would be. I'm already what, doing my you own buy thing. Bitcoin, right? I'm already doing my own thing. I'm just curious. But why? I'm fascinated by you. That's all. Well, see, now that's a mistake. <laughs> Sorry. That, no, I'm telling you, that is a huge mistake. Please don't be interested in me. I, I'm the least important, least interesting aspect of, of this. And I know that sounds kind of odd. You're kind of looking that. out for me, aren't you? No, no, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I, it's not a criticism. I'm just saying, don't be distracted oh. by me. Don't have the shiny bauble of my egg spotted forehead be anything but uh, anything that distracts you from 
the content of our philosophy, of free will, of self-ownership, of virtue, blah, right? Don't be distracted by me. I mean, I'm really unimportant in the whole equation. In other words, if there's some uh, doctor who comes along who can uh, save your life, you know, like the guy from the surgery center of Oklahoma who kind of saved my life, right? By cutting out that thing from my neck. Um, you want to be focused on the health, the medicine, the recovery, the the good diet, the exercise, rather than, hey, I wonder what, what kind of lunch that doctor wants to eat or likes the most, or what color does he paint his house? I mean, I'm kind of, you know, but I think the doctor would say, well, focus on your health and your own recovery. Don't get interested in me because... Um, that's not really going to help you. So I would just say focus on on how how philosophy helps you. And I get, I mean, I guess I can be kind of in interesting in a way, but I would say as a whole, um, don't don't be interested in me. <laughs> really not. And, and, and no, you know, like I'll do a show. I do a show, uh, you know, and and uh, then I'll I'll go and and uh, play Among Us with with my daughter. Um, so you know, it, it's not focus on 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 your life and philosophy and the truth and, and the value it can bring to you. But but focusing on me. Uh, is uh, I think the wrong way to 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 go about it, if if that makes sense. Because then you're focusing on me rather than you and philosophy. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. No, I appreciate that you're bringing it. You you've uh, dedicated yourself to philosophy, and I was going a little like, hey, tell me about yourself. But you're right. No, you're. Uh, yeah, and I'll tell people about myself, but mostly That's so great. that there's relatable stories that we can give. We're all in the same boat, and and the, and also like mm -hmm. the last thing I would ever want to do, and I've said this repeatedly on the show. I mean probably heard it is I, I always say you know i i'm not coming from any state of perfection i'm not coming from any state of ultimate moral excellence i'm you know struggling with all these issues just as everyone else is and uh you know we're all in the same lifeboat i'm not some jet skier up ahead you know like like levitating across the waves uh so um, and so if you focus on me, you know, if it helps inspire you to pursue philosophy and you say, oh, Steph came from a pretty rough background, he's achieved some pretty good things in his life, that's kind of inspiring, that's great. But that should be for you, not out of interest in me, if that makes sense. No, thank you so much, man. That's all I got for you. You're very welcome. And uh, best of luck with your investing. I really appreciate the, the question. Yeah, you too. You too and everybody. I think it's uh, it's pretty interesting, man. It's a little scary. But, uh, it is a little scary, and um, yeah, you gotta you gotta not check the price too often. <laughs> I had to grit my teeth. And, <laughs> yeah, I'll try not to. You know, I'm I'm not selling, so what does it matter what the price is today? Well, I'm curious. Oh, it's up, it's down. It's like it's all paper nonsense until you sell, right? So um, I would just say, uh, if if you're a hodler, uh, which is certainly my approach uh, for the most part, then um, just try try and resist the siren song of immediacy. You know. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Uh, any other questions or issues that people want to bring up? Um, I'm sorry, Steph. It's, uh, it's uh, cutting in and out for me. Uh, you mean I am or, or everyone? Yeah, that's okay. But I'm good. I'm good for now. Thank All right. you so much. Thank I'll, you, man. I appreciate I'll it. I'll think of some more philosophy. Thank you. Bye. Do you know that the uh, mRNA-1273 SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, the study and immunogenicity of this, the estimated study completion date is what? Right? So the actual study start date was July 27th, 2020. When is the estimated study completion date of the mRNA vaccines? Does anybody know? Estimated completion date of the study that started July 27th of last year, July 27th, 2020. When does the study complete of the mRNA vaccines? Does anybody know? or have that on the tip of their tongue.
The answer is October the 27th, 2022. So 18 months from now or so, right? So we've been less than a year into the mRNA safety studies, and we've got about a year and a half to go. October the 27th, 2022. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> so, yeah, that seems quite uh, quite important. Quite important. Huh. <laughs> Just something to remember. Prices at 1970s McDonald's. All right. I I'm going to just do this stuff <laughs> until there's a question, which is not punishment. Oh, who's kidding who? It's punishment. All right. So how much did, how much did uh, a Big Mac cost in the 1970s in McDonald's in America? How much did a Big Mac cost back then? Anybody want to guess? Anybody want to guess? Come on, give me some numbers. Give me some numbers. Non-ironically, 69 cents. <laughs> 75 cents. I got a 25 cents. The In fact, the Big Mac cost 65 cents. How much did a Coke cost? Anybody? In the 1970s, how much did a Coke cost? A Coke was 50 cents? No, not 50 cents. A Coke was 15 cents. A Coke was 15 cents. Isn't that wild? Yeah, you can see the prices there. Filet of fish was 48 cents. A cheeseburger was 33 cents. A hamburger was 28 cents. Milk was 20 cents. A hot chocolate was 15 cents. A hot apple pie was 26 cents. Large fries, 46 cents. Isn't that wild? A triple ripple ice cream cone was 20 cents. Isn't that wild, eh? Inflation, inflation, inflation. The, tr the dollar value of transactions on the Ethereum platform totaled $1.5 trillion in the first quarter, more than the previous seven quarters combined. Combined. Whew. Isn't that incredible? Anyone have a time machine? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember my mom would go off. Uh, she'd meet men in these, like, ads on, like, the National Enquirer, the personals ads or whatever, right? And she'd go off and, and try and, I guess, bag these guys. And she'd be gone for like, I remember she went to Houston for two weeks to try and, I guess, uh, lock some guy down into a relationship or something like that. And she left me uh, $20 for food for two weeks. And I remember going to McDonald's and getting a good meal for a buck and a quarter. And then, of course, I ran out of money because I was like 12 on my own for two weeks with 20 bucks. And I'd hang out with my friend's place looking hungry <laughs> and hoping for the best. What percentage, what percentage of household income in the U.S. now comes from the government? What percentage of all household income in the U.S. now comes from the government? Does anybody want to give me a number? What percentage? Yeah, there's an argument that says that that. Poor people eat better than rich people uh, often. Somebody says 60%. Somebody says 40%. Somebody says 38%. 35%. 30%. 40%. So uh, this is a new record. This is from April the 30th. 34% of all household income in the U.S. now comes from the government. 34%. Now, this doesn't count, I would say, necessarily the uh, unfunded liabilities, which are close to $200 trillion. 
but that is something else. April the 30th, Glassnode reported a massive withdrawal from exchanges totaling 11,504 bitcoins or $667 million earlier today. This is the largest transfer seen on chain in three weeks. Who could it possibly be this time? Satoshi! I don't know. I do not know. Australia is considering $666,000 fines and five-year jail terms for any Australian citizen who tries to get home from COVID-ravaged India. I think that they backed off from that. But uh, and was it some uh, Australian general has now said that war with China is highly likely? Dear, oh dear. Andrew Yang's universal income should be totes awesome. But UBI is kind of inevitable when you have the welfare state subsidizing... Um, Families, uh, single moms have an average IQ in the low 90s. And again, IQ being significantly genetic. Unfortunately, it's just really tragic. But this is where universal basic income is pretty much inevitable when you have uh, a welfare state that's uh, that ridiculously generous. Government handouts in March annualized were a record $8.2 trillion. $8.2 trillion. How will the government fund universal basic income? Well, you know, we're going to go into a bifurcated society, the K-shaped society. It's kind of boring and predictable, right? Which is what's happened in Brazil and Mexico and other places where you have people who have cryptos are going to be the aristocracy. It's the new land ownership. And the people who have feared are going to be in a declining situation. And you're going to have to pay for a lot of security because you've got this boiling underclass of people trapped on declining fiat value. And eh, it's boring. It's, I, I say it's boring. It's like boring historically. It's really wretched and appalling. And I've tried my very best to um, uh, avoid this, but nonetheless. Um, my friends who are realtors, and my friends, this is not me, uh, my friends who are realtors, my friends who are buying homes say it's a total bloodbath. Why the F are we allowing institutional capital to buy single-family homes with the trillions of free capital given to them via quantitative easing? Total dis disaster. Yeah, well, 100,000 people were watching Pat McAfee's Draft Spectacular on April 29th. That's, uh, what is that? Baseball draft? Baseball draft? Got 100,000 people watching rich people get picked for money because they're good at throwing and catching. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because so many people think that I dislike corporate-sponsored, government-subsidized sports ball because I'm anti-sports. Uh, no, not true at all. I love sports. I'm actually very good at sports for the most part. Really good reflexes. I'm pretty agile. Not flexible physically. I can barely touch. I can't touch my toes. Never have been able to. But I'm very good at a wide variety of sports. Um, I just think watching sports is a retarded waste of time. Like watching sports, just sitting there, like watching other people do cool things that you can't do. I don't know, man. It's it's. Why, why don't you go and throw the, throw the ball with your kids? Go and play tennis with your wife? Go and... Do something that moves you. Just watching rich, entitled people throw stuff around while they suck the money out of your kids' future through debt. I don't know. Just really, uh, really sad. Really sad. Has your friend started his rock, rock opera yet? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. They are attempting to fund the UBI, but only for people of color through legalizing and taxing marijuana. What's your thoughts on this India's second round coming of Corona? Why didn't it get hit hard first round? Well, I don't know. I don't know for sure. I will tell you a couple of thoughts that are 
um, yeah, and, and sorry, sports, just to finish that off. So sports are a way of feeling like you've achieved something because you've been ripped off for rich people to throw balls at each other, right? Oh, my team won. It's like, what the hell did you do other than get pillaged for tax money to support the stadium, right? I mean, you didn't do anything. You didn't earn it. I, again, I'm just foundation of my philosophy is an utter rejection of the unearned. I don't care if you're tall. I don't care if you're handsome. I don't care if you're white or black. These things aren't your responsibility. You didn't earn them. It's accidents of nature. And a lot of times I don't even really care that much how smart you are. Uh, because again, a lot of that is an accident of nature. I didn't earn high intelligence. If you're not particularly smart, it's bad luck in a way. It's not the end of the world. You can still have a wonderful, happy life. And ignorance can be bliss sometimes. I'm very much against the unearned. And if your sports ball team won something and you you're cheering i don't know what i don't know what to say about you <laughs> i don't know what i don't know what to say. it's it's uh sports supremacy right it's sports supremacy my, i'm a sports supremacist because my team won <laughs> you didn't win anything you didn't win shit you lost because you wasted your life watching other people doing stuff while getting ripped off and pillaged by governments you didn't you didn't earn a damn thing so with regards to the vaccine, I don't know. I have no idea. This is all just completely ridiculous amateur opinion. So the problem with the, uh, the, problem with the, um, the COVID as, as these coronaviruses as a whole is that they mutate like crazy. And that if you don't take that into account, then I don't know what anybody's doing. If you don't take that into account, I don't know what anybody's doing. Oh, I know what they're doing is generally bad generally bad. So when I was, uh, I, I sang in a garage band for a little while as a, as a teenager and, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I wrecked my voice and I had to go to the doctor and, and get some, I had a sore throat and get antibiotics because I got infected. And anyway, so I don't know, like a year later I had another throat infection and, and so I had to go back and he's, and I was like, yeah, I, I took the leftover pills from last time and he got really mad at me, right? And I understand now, he didn't tell me at the time, you got to take all your antibiotic pills because if you only take three quarters of them, then you're keeping alive the ones that are most resistant to antibiotics and then they'll get to breed and spread and, and you're creating the super bugs, right? So you can, my understanding is you can vaccinate after the pandemic, but if you vaccinate during the pandemic, you're simply training the bug to escape the vaccine, which is why you're talking about, you know, annual shots, every eight months, booster shots and stuff like that. So what you're doing by vaccinating in the middle of a pandemic is you are training COVID to escape the vaccine, to bypass the vaccine. The thing can mutate crazy, like RNA viruses, is that right? They mutate hundreds of times faster than than other things, right? So yeah, that's that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. And then of course, what you're doing when you take the vaccine is you're replacing your body's natural response to coronaviruses, which we've lived with for millions of years as, as mammals and so on, right? So you're replacing your body's natural response to coronavirus with a government program called the mRNA vaccine or the other kind. And so then the concern is that when you hit a non-COVID coronavirus that you're immune system isn't going to function very well because it's kind of been displaced. You know, like they used to be charity, then they became a welfare state, which is much worse. People got addicted to the welfare state. And then if the welfare state doesn't work for some reason, they can't function. And I think it's kind of the same thing with the government program called, we'll replace your immune system with a government program called these vaccines. And, you know, I, 
I have some concerns. I have some questions, right? That they've tried this for many time, many years, and and what's happened with with civets and and with um, uh, rabbits and and uh, ferrets and so on that they they can get the first generation. Yeah, they can get it to resist to COVID, or they can get it to resist a specific coronavirus. But then what happens is some other coronavirus hits them, and their immune system doesn't respond too well, or it hyper responds, and because it's just lost its balance or whatever. I don't know. I'm no expert on these things. So uh, India has been vaccinating like crazy, and my guess is that they've got uh, other things that have changed because of the vaccination. Because we've got this, this, I don't know, I don't know how to put it exactly, because this is more sort of a self-knowledge thing. It, again, I'm no doctor, no scientist. This is just my obviously completely amateur personal opinions. It's like everyone who's completely bubble boyed their entire environment. Oh, we've, we've been using all of these sanitizers and I wash my hands all the time and I don't touch anything. And it's like, you know, we like your immune system needs to exercise. Like one of the ways that you protect kids from being allergic to everything when they get older is let them eat dirt, let them muck about, let them pick up tadpoles and, and touch their faces when they're little, right? And your immune system is just like, okay, well, we've we've dealt with it. We know what's good. We know what's bad. We've we're exercised. We've, we've got, you know, we've got the troops in rotation. We know what's going down, right? And we developed antibodies. We know what we're doing. And, you know, I guess my concern is to some degree, you've got this hypoallergenic environment for everyone for 14 months. And what happens when they get back out in the world and their immune system has gone all flabby from no exposure to anything that it ever has to deal with? That just doesn't seem to be a very good uh, situation. It really doesn't seem like a very good situation at all. And when you've got, there were, there were these... Um, I remember doing this show on this uh, early last year. Uh, there was uh, apartment buildings in Wuhan where people had no contact with each other, but coronavirus spread through toilet flushing. Like that's how insane it is in terms of spreading, right? I mean, the, the, the little bits of fecal matter and the water droplets, people didn't have the lid closed and it would go around in the vents. That's how it spread. Come on, you can't six feet in a mask. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You know, that's like a, an airplane's going to cr- come and crash into your house and you're going out with a Bible and a cross thinking you're going to turn it back through the force of the Lord. It's not, uh, not a good, not a good plan. Um, the Red Cross has announced they're not taking vaccinated blood. Is that right? I haven't heard that, but uh, I don't, uh, uh, it, it wouldn't shock me, but I don't, uh, I, I've not heard that myself. Um so getting back to India, they've got a lot of vaccines. And of course, you know, there is a lot of uh, hygiene issues uh, in uh, in India, not a lot of sanitation in some places. The poops in the streets thing, while not as common as people think, is certainly not unheard of. People in very, very close proximities. This is one of the problems with in North America or other places where there are concentrated Indian communities with multi-generational households. There do seem to be a concentration of COVID cases in that kind of uh, environment. So... Um, I, you know, I'm a big one for natural responses to things and it does have a low death rate and our body does know how to handle it. And there are some people. And and so I think we've got a lot of this, um, I don't know exactly how to put this because I'm trying to put it in a way that's compelling, but also somewhat remotely accurate. We've got this thing in the world and it's not going back in the model. I, I think we have to live with COVID. I think it's just a thing. It's just a thing that's out there in the world. And I think what's happening is there's this 
carrot that's out there, which is we can make it so that COVID isn't a thing in the world. And the way we're going to do that is just vaccinate the shit out of you every year. We're going to make it so that COVID isn't a thing in the world. Now, again, I'm no expert. Maybe it'll work. I have some doubts, obviously, but maybe it'll work, right? And I think the bargain, you know, the bargaining state time of, of, of when you have a big loss, right? The, the stages of grief. I know they're largely nonsense, but I think the bargaining one is definitely there. The bargaining one is definitely there. And I think we're kind of in the phase of, okay, well, we got this thing in society that came out of China, like most of the horrible pandemics throughout all of human history from the Black Death onwards and even before comes out of China for a variety of reasons. But we got this shitty thing in the world. And it's, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. And I think that the world is right now very susceptible to, but what if we don't? What if, what if we don't? What if, what if, what if it can just go away and we can go back to normal? Right? So if you've ever had a big loss, you wake up in the morning and there's a time when you don't remember that loss right? Somebody's died or, or something terrible has happened or whatever. You wake up in the morning and you're like, uh, and then, oh, shit. That's right. There's that, right? And then your day, right? And then you got to find a way to deal with that and, and try and find a way to build yourself back up and deal with the loss and move on. And so right now, I think we're in this phase and we, we were in this phase of like, okay, well, we got the shitty thing in the world, but if we wear masks and we do six feet distancing, then we'll be okay. It, it'll resolve it'll you know and then we'll get the we'll get the vaccine and 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 then it would be like this shitty thing wasn't in the world anymore and i understand that everybody has this sort of bargaining thing right everybody has a sort of bargaining thing uh people do this all the time you know dear lord if i survive this car crash i'm never smoking again <laughs> and our desire to rewind in a sense uh, can we just have the life back that we had before I miss it. You miss it. Nice to have the life back that we had before. You just go travel places and do stuff. And occasionally you'd get a cold. Sometimes you get a flu, but you know, you'd struggle on and, and life would be good. And, and right. So people, they just want to have this thing not be in the world. And the way that the bargain we're being offered is, you know, outsource your immune system to Pfizer and uh, you cannot have the shitty thing in the world. And it's really tempting. And of course, all of the people who funded the Wuhan lab, you know, the Americans and Fauci to some degree and others, and the Communist Party in China that covered it up, let people travel internationally while closing their borders internally, who refused to provide data, who deplatformed and sometimes disappeared doctors who were talking about this stuff. We don't want to deal with that. We don't want to deal with the fact that we got fucked by communism again, again. We just don't want to deal with that. We have 500 scientists in America currently being investigated for corrupt ties to China. We don't want to deal with that. We don't want to deal with the danger. We don't want to deal with what we've let grow in society. We don't want to deal with the fact that we've been led astray and blinded to the dangers. It's no accident that I, I mean, it's an accident in terms of, of coincidence, but 
you know, if you haven't seen my documentary on Hong Kong, freedomain.com forward slash documentaries, I spent two hours talking about the dangers of China. So I think that we just want things to go back to the way that they were without having to process everything we've lost, this unbelievable grief. You know, some people have been locked inside their homes for 14 months. That's like one and a half percent of your entire life. It's like 2% of your adult life. Like, holy shit. You mean locked in your house or your tiny little apartment for 14 months? That's house arrest. You get more exercise options in a prison. That's incredibly painful for people. There are old people in these homes who've kind of been welded into their rooms effectively for over a year. What we've lost has been staggering. People being fined for barbecues, for being out walking, people being unable to visit relatives. I couldn't go to my father's funeral. I mean, what we've lost has been one of the greatest catastrophes in human history in terms of the sudden curtailment of liberties and the cessation of any forward momentum or predictability in life. There have been some positives. A lot of women have discovered the joy of parenting and have vaulted out of the workforce so that our society can actually have some continuance and the values our forefathers died for can actually be passed to the next generation, which doesn't tend to happen in daycare. There's been some positives. And, of course, the pandemic has made everything more. If you get along with people, I'm sure you love them even more. I've really treasured this time with my family. It's been incredible. But if you don't get along with people, I bet you that's pretty vivid to you now, right? It's pretty pretty inescapable if you had a relationship that was kind of so-so, especially if you're living with the person and... Right? So it's just turned the dial up on everyone, for everyone. But because we won't just look this fucking thing in the face and say, we just got robbed of just about everything. And lots of people with a lot of power were pretty complicit in this shit, and they did kind of lie to us with this. Two weeks to flatten the curve. Let the slippery slope argument forever be enshrined in those words. And we're not processing our grief. We're not. We're not processing our, our loss and our sorrow and our anger. All of this was eminently preventable. All of it. Hey, without the government, who, who on earth is going to fund gain-of-function coronavirus bat research in a lab funded in part by the U.S. with an appalling safety record? got fucked by communism again. And of course, the communists in control of the media, they don't want... They don't want us to get angry at communism. They want to say, well, communism, the Chinese approach, is clearly the answer. Of course they do. And I don't care. Maybe that's not good. I don't know. It doesn't really matter, because I don't. 
because when you spend 40 fucking years of your life, since my mid-teens, spend 40 fucking years of your life warning people about the dangers of predatory oligarchical collectivist communism, My conscience is, I hope your conscience is clear. I'm sure it is if you listen to the show, but my conscience is clear. There's only so much you can do. I can't just spend my entire life wanting to improve the world. I actually have to enjoy it as well. Otherwise, it's masochism. You won't listen to me very well. Let China instruct you. You don't want to listen to reason? I'm afraid brutal empiricism is going to have to be your new teacher. I'm retired. Well, and now, shit, what are they talking about now? You got to shun the unvaccinated. You got to shun the unvaccinated. Shit, I was talking about shunning people who want you thrown in prison for disagreeing with them politically, i.e. status. I was talking about that 11 fucking years ago. Oh, he's a cult leader. All right. Okay, well, you can call me a cult leader all you want, and now you get ostracism now, but instead of ostracism for virtue, you get ostracism with an experimental RNA agent. <laughs> Wherefore, masks, or you're a bioterrorist. Yeah, we're not getting a whole lot of my body, my choice anymore, are they? Are we? Well, and Dr. Fauci is invested in these companies as well, right? He's got tons and tons of patents and all of that. Great conversation. Apologies for my earlier comment. Long-time listener. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. And I'm sorry if I was harsh, but uh, I tried to be as honest as I can without, you know, hostility and all of that. You know someone who's locked himself in since March? Yeah. See... It's a new it's a new reason to be afraid of the air, right? So my mother was uh, paranoid, which is a, a completely appallingly horrifying state of mind to be in. Paranoid. I won't get it. She slept with a big knife under her pillow, shot people around to get her. I mean she just it's a it's an appallingly awful existence. So before they had you be afraid of the air because of CO2. Right. So that's that's the little invisible particles in the air that were going to get you, going to drown you, smother you under ice, burn you. Tiny little invisible ghost particles called CO2 were going to kill you. Now, tiny little invisible ghost particles called coronavirus are going to kill you. You understand, if they can get you fucking afraid of the air, there's no escape. If you're afraid of lions, hey... Be in a place where there aren't any lions. You're good. You're afraid of bears? You know, maybe don't hike the Appalachian Trail. You're okay. But if they can get you afraid of the air, it follows you everywhere. There's no escape from that terror, whether it's CO2 or COVID. They can get you frightened of the air. They fucking got you, man. Your anxiety until you deal with it is going to forever escalate. My neighbor committed suicide. His family had to do his funeral over Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Bitcoin taking off has been a positive of COVID. Yes, for sure. 
Well, and it's also bought in the lie of what mass immigration is all about, right? Like Biden's now, oh, yeah, we got to have 62,000 refugees. It's like, it's a fucking pandemic, dude. What the hell's the matter with you? Well, of course, it just shows that it's nothing to do with safety. I mean, the, the government that gave you the fucking shoot you in the gut food pyramid, now everyone thinks that that same government is really concerned with their health. Are you kidding me? The government that drugs children for being bored at school is really concerned with your health and well-being? Oh, my God. China didn't rob us, our government did. Well, you're assuming that the two aren't kind of two sides of the same coin these days, right? Somebody said they just checked the Red Cross site and they say you can donate if you give vaccine type information. All right. As long as we're not racist, it's okay. And trust the plan. Well, here's the funny thing too, right? So, so everybody knows that Everybody knows that human beings can't handle power, but somehow the power to destroy people's lives by calling them racist is a power that people can totally handle without being corrupted. Isn't that insane? If we actually believed the shit that we talked about, like morally, if we actually believed it, the world would become a paradise. Like if we actually believed, don't use force to get what you want. If we actually believed respect property and persons, if we actually believed human beings can't handle power, we'd live in a paradise in about three minutes. All right. No, no, no. If your message was not understood, you need to consider it was not successfully delivered. Never give up. No, I don't think that's true. I don't I don't think that's true. I, I worked very hard, like with UPB. Like I wrote the book, I gave it away for free. I did dozens of lectures and speeches and live appearances and endless debates and interviews and so on. No, no, no. No, I won't I won't take responsibility for everything in the world. I won't. I absolutely won't. Because you've got to give the, the virtue and value of free will to other people as well. So if I've made this case, um, ostracize those who want you thrown in, kidnapped, thrown in prison, and possibly raped for disagreeing with them politically, if you can't ostracize those people, then you have no idea what virtue is. You have no idea what relationships is, or love is, or integrity is. And you can make the case only so many times before people just have to live with the consequences of their own decisions. I'm not going to keep beating my head against the wall. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just, I'm done with it. I'm so done with it. And I'm glad that I did it. I have no regrets. Looking back, I have no regrets. At all. But if I take 100% ownership for people listening to me, and I've tried, I mean, I've, I've, I've done songs, I've done rap, I've done comedy, I've done drama, I've yelled, I've begged, I've pleaded, I've wept, I've, I've done, I've pulled every possible ounce of authentic emotional commitment and intellectual passion to, to communicating this stuff. I really have. And I, you know, 40 years, 16 in the public sphere, I, I was doing this stuff in university, I was on the debate team, I was fighting with the communists in all throughout my university years. And I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I've put my fucking time in, man. I have put my time in and I've taken my blows and some of those blows have been pretty fucking heavy. And some of them you don't even know about, which is fine. Don't, no need to, no need to know everything. But if I say I'm completely responsible to whether or not people listen to me, then I'm saying that they're not worth saving because they have no capacity for free will. They have no capacity to listen to, reason to take evidence to think for themselves and no in which case they're not worth saving 
why, why would I destroy my own life and sanity and happiness for the sake of zombies who have no capacity to listen to reason? I won't. I give them the respect if they can listen to reason. And the other thing too, is that when you, you know, you, you have to make sure you don't give people too much power in your life. And if people love it when you try and convince them of something, because they kind of a little odd and sadistic and, and they don't have much power in their life. So they, they gain power by saying no to whatever you want them to do. Right. This is the teenager thing, right? You no, know, right? That's fine. So it's a phase. It's supposed to end, right? So if you know, you, you're begging your uncle to stop smoking because it's dangerous and he doesn't have any real power in his life, and and then he'll say, Well, I'm I can at least can I, I can have power over you by saying no. Okay, well I, I don't want people to have power over me, so I have to give up on wanting them to change if they're really committed to not changing. Because I'm gonna give them power over me at all. That's no good. I, I reject power as any foundational aspect of a human relationship because you can't have a relationship with someone that's based on power because it's control, manipulation, falsehood, lying, whatever, right? So, no, I, uh, I, I had a, a ball and a blast and a great experience reasoning with the world. I really did. I have no regrets, no regrets at all. But you have to give people the respect of responsibility. Otherwise, there's no world to save if everyone's just a robot and blind and zombied and don't listen and fight back for no reason, just reactionary, triggered, whatever, right? Then, then there's no one and nothing to save. So I have to give people that respect of, hey, I made the case. Nobody can doubt what I said. I put everything out there, took a huge amount of risks, took a huge amount of blows. Now it's up to you. That's empowering to people, right? That's giving them respect, right? A friend of mine has lost his grandma, father, and uncle in past year. Yeah, the, the, so those, you know, when you get older, that's nature's way of saying get shit done with your life because the Green Reaper is coming for all of us, right? Uh, old Republicans used to say the government would tax the air. You could say they did one worse. Well, taxing the air is carbon taxes, right? For sure. Because plant food will kill you, man, every time. We locked down kids in public schools and daycare away from their parents. I don't think it's coincidence it's ended with a total lockdown. Well, we're training our children to have nothing but contempt for us when they get older. Because when they get older, there'll be more data, right? Even when there's already enough data, I think, but there'll be even more data. So when... When the kids get older, they will look at us, collective us, the older generations, and say, you unbelievably terrified chicken shit nobodies who sold out everything to do with our childhood for the sake of mostly imaginary fears of a disaster that never came to pass. And I'm half and half about children growing up with contempt for their elders. I think it's kind of deserved. <laughs> so, and I think it's, you know, they... It's going to it's going to be a horrible blowback when the kids get older. Have you seen what happened to the founder of Basecamp Software? He kept pushing wokeism and now he's not woke enough. Wait, isn't that the guy who said no more political discussions on our company forums? Well, of course, no fucking political discussions on your company forums. You're a software company. And then a third of the employees quit. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? One decision that gets all of the woke, lazy, entitled people out of your company. That company is going to 
be thriving. A year from now, they're going to own the software industry. And everyone else is going to be like, oh, yeah, you can't talk about it here either. And now all the woke people won't have any place to go. Good. You, Steph, are partly responsible for me waking up several years ago. And I thank you for this. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you. I used to listen to Steph in 2011. Oh, back in the old days. When my Mohawk days. Actually, no, I was post-Mohawk back then. As long as there's child abuse in the world, contempt from the young is deserved. Yes, but this is going to be collective, not individual or personal. All right, a couple more questions. Uh, let's see here. Sorry. Oh, I left one place. Oh, let's see here. Uh, little, little, uh, yeah, I did come here an hour early for those who were supporters. So. I mean, I love you guys so much for keeping me going, so I really appreciate that. Thank you. Calgary police gave this cowboy a $1,200 ticket for attending a freedom rally and a $100 ticket for his horse. They gave a COVID ticket to a horse? Sure. Yeah, I mean, Alberta's supposed to be the Texas of Canada, and they've gone uh, totally Portland, right? They've got, what, 2,000 deaths in the entire province, and they've locked down everything. No school in the fall. I mean, it's just mad. Uh, a lawyer supplied by Rebel News was able to get both tickets thrown out of court. That's pretty funny. Yeah, so Rebel Media has a crowdfunding operation called Fight the Fines that would give legal support to people contesting their tickets. All right. Does Steph read this chat during live beside DLive? Sorry, I was on the uh, the other chat. But uh, I'm just seeing here. Do, do, do. I wish I could be a dogenaire. <laughs> I'm not a big fan, unless it's a short term pump and dump. All right. What do we got here? Bitcoin Cash pumped almost 50% today. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think Bitcoin Cash is pretty cool. Historical retrospective on the phrase, trust the science. Nico time cigarettes, the smooth taste expectant mothers crave. Oh, asbestos, protect your building. Yes, that's right. No flies on me, thanks to DDT. Well, I don't think DDT was as bad as they as they thought. Yeah, heroin, hydrochloride. Yeah, yeah, right. All right, um, I, I should probably close things down, but I really do appreciate everyone coming by tonight. It was a great pleasure to chat, as always freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show. I'd really appreciate that too. If you got into crypto because of me, you know, throw a little my way. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't be unfair. I think, uh, you know, pay what you owe and uh, uh, all of that. So yeah, uh, freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show. Don't forget my free novel, freedomain.com forward slash almost. It's a great book, audiobook, totally free. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. And if you're not into literature, because really literate, this will help get you in there because it's a fantastic book. And I really do thank everyone for 16th going into 17th year of bringing philosophy to the world. A great pleasure. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful evening. <laughs>